The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Okay. Okay, I'm feeling that. That's good. I'm drinking something cold. I'm drinking. That's what it's called. It's not, I wasn't just describing. <laughs> I'm drinking uh, uh, a nice uh, artisan. Artisan ale called Artesian is definitely a uh, a Kingdom Hearts character. Absolutely, I was actually sorry. Artesia is a Gundam is literally a Gundam character. Well, so. there you go. Uh-huh. Uh, my my beer. Did is, you say vape tricks? Is called vape tricks. It's a sour ale aged on cherries. Ooh, was tasty. It good? That yeah, it's good. very tasty. It's like all of my favorite things. Those. That sounds good. Are we? What are we? Are we just doing beer reviews now? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, welcome to beer reviews. Beer reasons. You're um, welcome to beer reasons. Honestly, honestly, that's our after dark podcast. Wow, true. Um, hey everyone. Hi, welcome back. Welcome to, back to Lore Reasons. You beat. I watched you beat Kingdom Hearts three today. I was. I cried at work today. You, you literally cried. I was at literally work today. sobbing at. Uh, oh, what is? What's? One second. Wait. Well, what? we'll get back to Kingdom Hearts. What wait, is this sound? Ha- what? Oh wait, this is. I Who? think this is the game study study buddy. <laughs> Whoa. 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 They're here! Oh my That's god! That's Michael Watson Cameron Councilman! Oh god! Good morning, class! Are you delusing for a bruising? Then, we are the Game Studies Study Buddies, and I want to introduce you to Cameron Council Monster! And I need to introduce you to Michael Lutz, a.k.a. Leonard this. Malton's Nobody, a.k.a. Okay. Daradam, a.k.a. Shakespeare 69, but the S and Uh the P are the number 69, a.k.a. Bruno's Papa, a.k.a. Bookish Banksy, a.k.a. Michael the Professional, like Luke Besson's The Professional, a.k.a. Luigi, a.k.a. Leggy Dad, a.k.a. Mr. Strong, a.k.a. Donald Drill, a.k.a. Historical Hercules, a.k.a. Shakespeareoth. A.K.A. the early okay. modern theater of pain. Love it. Well, thank thank you, That's Game great. Study Studies buddy, Study Buddies. Game Study Study Buddies for joining us today and kicking in our door and insisting that we take seriously the philosophical questions at the heart of Kingdom Hearts. That was unintentional. That was unintentional, but very good. <laughs> I'm Austin Walker. Joining me. Natalie Watson. And also, again, in case you didn't catch their names, <laughs> Michael Lutz. Because we were... And Cameron Councilman. Yeah, because you were screaming them at us. (laughs) Hey, I just noticed you had AKAs for Michael, but Michael didn't have AKAs for you. I didn't tell him about the plan. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I literally sat down and, like, it was like, oh, okay, we're doing doing a bit with this. Okay. Uh, No, no, we didn't. 
Uh, no, keep kayfabe. Mm-hmm. No bits. Yes, <laughs> this no is bits. just us. This is just us talking. You kicked in the door in Brooklyn we, where you are. We're all in oh, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. You can hear it. Also, sorry, I'm very tired because I just got off the train that I took to Brooklyn. There, okay. Oh, true. Okay, <laughs> yeah. of course. Did you fly here with those superhero powers? <laughs> That's also why he's tired. He can fly, but it just makes him just worn the fuck out. You ever think about that? We're like. It, if I had to do, if I had to run as far as Superman flies, I would be exhausted. But Superman just doesn't get tired from flying around. I feel yeah, like I think it, about that all the time. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, when he flies, he's basically just like planking, and that's hell, right? It's that, working on that core. He's got a he's got a strong core. He's got a strong core. You know who else has a strong core? Who? Sora. Sora does. That's what I've learned. You know from what his core is? His heart. His heart. His heart. We made a promise, <laughs> foolishly. <laughs> Always foolishly. Um, and it was, do y'all want to talk about like Dasein, but also Kingdom Hearts? Do y'all want to talk about existentialism, but also Kingdom Hearts? What do you think of the self and the, and the production thereof? What if we answered that with uh, our references to things we've read in school we are going to be paying off for the rest of our lives? <laughs> um, but I guess before we dive into that, I kind of, our audience might not know, what game study study buddies is uh who y'all are um I, I mean they should know in my heart they should know but can you introduce yourselves a little bit before before we dig in yeah sure um so i'm cameron kunzelman uh people might know me from waypoint sometimes mm-hmm. um uh and yeah i write on the internet and i do all this stuff and we do game study study buddies uh together michael we've been doing this what nine months now yeah yeah about that i mean really we're up on sort of the first year the first time we recorded but then we didn't release the first episode recorded we recorded until like five months later it takes a long time to edit audio y'all i don't know what i'm telling you know uh, i got a lot of stuff going on my life i I work hard um but yeah so we read a a book a month uh in game studies or uh, game studies adjacent and then we talk about it for an incredible amount of time. Um, <laughs> we just did an good. episode on Games of Empire. The book uh, that we got re- me back into game studies, actually, after uh, being yeah. away from it. So, so yeah. I've not yet well, had did you think about it, it for more? Did you think about it for more than three and a half hours? Because we thought about it for three and a half hours. I moved to Canada <laughs> to work with the, one of the writers. So, yes. <laughs> So you're saying maybe, 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 maybe. You're saying you thought about thinking about it. Apples and oranges. Honestly, they're different things. I didn't Mm. do a podcast about it. Y'all did. So, you know, yeah, Uh, you've made my point for me. And you you also, you, you teach, uh, at this point, right? You're, you're still teaching, right? Correct. Correct. So I, I teach a little bit, a little bit of uh, game studies every now and again. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so kind of a professional, uh, interest and personal interest and all that kind of stuff. It's just good for you. It's good to read. Do y'all know that? It is it good feels to good. read. It does. Michael, how about you? Can you introduce yourself to the class? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Michael Lutz. Uh, I'm the, I'm the other study buddy with Cameron. Um, I am a PhD in English literature, specializing in early modern drama, um, which means basically Shakespeare and people uh, at the time that Shakespeare was alive. Uh, But I have this kind of secondary interest in media history, and this brings me into uh, game studies. I also uh, am an interactive fiction writer. Um, I've done two games that are probably like my probably my two most well-known games are my father's long long legs and the uncle who works for nintendo um they're like horror games uh and uh, you can look me up on uh itch.io it's my name is just my last name backwards z-t-u-l um 
and yeah, I, I, I'm some good, like, I like to read books. A lot of good horror writing. Um, I, you do my favorite almost yearly. I guess you didn't do one this past year. You didn't do a Halloween thing this last year, did you? Yeah, no. I mean, I I feel like to some extent that that series is tapped out. I know what you're talking Fair. about, though. You're talking. You're talking about the uh, <laughs> the. I don't even know how to describe them. Um, <sighs> app. Re- well, they're not always app reviews. Hmm. Uh, they, I, I don't want to spoil. There's things I don't want to spoil, which is a weird. You need a series name as your new manager. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> okay. let you know. We need a, a tight uh, franchise name. Hollywood is all about franchises right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard this, Michael, <laughs> but franchising hmm. opportunities mean that when you develop IP, what you really need is something extendable, brand, uh, brand, a brand, uh, right. something recognizable. So if you just give us like a two words, what is the what is the the Michael Lutz horror fiction brand? Uh, malevolent magic realism. Um, yeah, that's three words, that's, but I'll take yeah. it. I know. It's, it's, Just add a hyphen. No, you see, magic yeah. realism. I combine them into a hybrid term. Okay. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. No, so you can also check out my my writing uh, at my website, correlatedcontents.com. What Austin is referring to is a series of very strange Halloween stories. Um, where if you've ever wanted to read a Yelp review, uh, or rather, like if you have ever wanted to read a horror story that is written entirely in Yelp reviews, then I am your man. <laughs> that's the sort of thing I like to write. Perfect. Uh, thank you so much again for joining. Where can people listen to Game Study Study Buddies? I guess doing a search uh, for at, it would reveal you, it, probably. Uh, you can go to at Ranged Touch on Twitter, um, and that'll help you out. Or you can go to rangedtouch.com, and you can find it there. Ranged Touch, like the D&D yeah. uh, spell uh Distance slash you got type distances, I guess, right? No, mm-hmm. a ranged touch attack is a specific type of attack. It means mm-hmm. that, okay, I'm not going to get into how D&D ranged. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's Keep fine. Keep going. It's fine. Yeah, it's like a, I'm going to shoot you with a little electrical bolt or, right. or a necrotizing but, touch, but right. I need to make sure I can really I can, touch it you can good. touch you with it. But also, it, the touch isn't, it's not like it's like velocity based. It's not like you're throwing a football or shooting a gun. All it has to do is touch you. If it just nips you, the magic, the conduit, not the conduit, the, the circuit completely completes and magic happens that's over a distance <laughs> over a distance magic the circuit has, right. completes and magic happens that's yeah. what i say all the time that's my new saying i'm gonna stop saying uh sticks the landing sticks the landing and start saying and then the circuit completes and the magic happens we'll see if the circuit completes and magic happens when Sekiro releases in two weeks Ooh. Yeah, we, we also have uh, our our uh, podcast producer Cotto, who has a mic close to him to yell at us if we get things wrong when, about when, <laughs> when, when we get things wrong. R- right, uh, um, when we get things wrong about when, right. when you get things wrong oh. about Kingdom wow. Hearts. I haven't played Kingdom Hearts three. I'm th- so let's set the stage a little bit. We're going to start answering questions that came in from you, our listeners, about philosophical questions with regards to Kingdom Hearts. We also have a huge list of notes. Uh, It's not that huge, actually. This is a small list of notes compared to what we normally do in our lives. Uh, But we have a list of notes of things we want to hit in Mm -hmm. general. But having read the questions that came in, they they guide us in a path where we can kind of deploy the notes we've written in a way where we can just answer questions and let you all lead uh, the conversation. Mm -hmm. We want to answer the questions that are important to the people. Yeah. Um, uh, but that means spoilers, not just for Kingdom Hearts one through 2.8, but all the, well, okay. Not just from Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, <laughs> not just from the beginning of time to the, the beginning end, of three, the, yeah, but we, including three, including there three. are things we're not going to talk about because like, so one, I haven't seen any of Kingdom Hearts 3, except for what I've looked over my shoulder to watch you the last couple of hours beat that game. Yeah. So I have some, like, end game spoilers, but I've missed a lot of the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't, I don't think, 
Uh, there's like the secret ending we're not going to talk about. Also, there's like a super yeah, secret I ending that I you haven't seen. seen. So we're not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the but, but every- other everything else is fair game. Yeah, because some of our answers might be there. Yeah, who knows where we will go? Michael and Cameron, what are your Kingdom Hearts? I and mean, Cameron, you just wrote about the ending of Kingdom Hearts three for us uh, at Waypoint. Oh yeah. Com. Um, <laughs> where, so you've beaten Kingdom Hearts three. You've played most of the other Kingdom Hearts games. I have played. Uh, all the way through Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, and then mm-hmm. I have sampled and made myself aware of all the rest of, of them. And, of course, Kingdom Hearts 3. But, yeah, so all the other games, um, when they came out, I did not have the platforms they were on. Sure. So I didn't play them. But I did. I have played some of them or played big chunks of them uh, since they came out for the PS4 and those big collections and stuff. So mm. I am a smooth operator when it comes to kingdom arts as you trying to make that happen are you going to slip that into your I, daily uh, hey i don't know you never know what becomes your catchphrase right so i'm going to try out seven Trust or eight me. things that don't make any sense uh, <laughs> good just to My, see if we can get something to land is that yeah that works michael how about you okay um so i am i am possibly the least kingdom hearts experienced i played through maybe half of the first game back mm-hmm. when it first came out and I remember having a point where I was just like, I am not into this. Um, I don't really like this. I'm not really enjoying it. Uh, but at that point in my life, I mean, also, I hate crossovers. Like, let's just put this <laughs> on the, the table. the right series. <laughs> right? Yeah, no. I, but uh, I think Kingdom Hearts actually does a lot of interesting things with crossovers. I can look back now on my younger self and be like, oh, what a fool you were, Michael. Right. Um, there was so much more going on here. Uh, but at the same time, like after I sort of fell off that wagon, I never got back on. But every couple of years, I had a moment where I was like, whatever happened in Kingdom Hearts? And I would open up a wiki and start reading. Um, so I have absorbed a lot of lore through osmosis. But also this means that it is extremely uh, roughshod and uh I'm going to get lots of things wrong and Great. not be able to keep anybody straight because everybody is everyone else. And when it's just <laughs> right. something you're also reading. All those characters are gay, so you can't keep any of them straight. So <laughs> that's good. True. That's a good thing. Uh, so as Kata will be our, like, on one side of the road, our, bar- our Kingdom Hearts guide barrier, you will be our philosophy guide barrier. You know all sorts of words, like, for instance, <laughs> Trinitarianism. That's a word you know. You wrote Augustine yeah. down here, and I was like, yeah. Michael, I think it's Michael's Augustine. It's either. My name is is uh, Austin comes from Augustine or Augustine. So, okay. He was also uh, uh, multi ethnic, biracial, like me. Mm-hmm. I didn't His know dad that. was a king yeah. in North North Africa. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ethiopia. Wow. Yeah. Or was, was yeah. he in Ethiopia? Is that where he was? I believe so. I sense. believe he was. That yeah. Makes sense, um, yeah. No. Just you know, public service announcement. Yeah. Uh, don't let them white- whitewash your church history, kids. Please. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I like. I'm. I'm gonna be clear. Like, I'm not like. Kin claiming Saint Augustine. <laughs> um, speaking of kin claiming, Michael, you you're a big Homestuck. We know we're not gonna. <laughs> no. Oh God, we're not gonna what go into Homestuck. We're not gonna. What is that? We've tried hey. you here. Actually, what's Homestuck? <laughs> Wait, I really don't know. No, we are not doing. So. I really don't know. So Homestuck is Kingdom oh. Hearts. If uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> okay, actually, no, I thought you had like a quick. Answer. All right, let's just we're ready to dive in. Are let's we just read go? some questions. All right. Um, do you want to go down the list or do you want to pick pick them out? What do you want to do? How do you want to do this? Um, I don't know. We should start with an easy one. I'm okay. going to start with a very, I'm going to start with one that is. Should that I'm we do start, hmm. this one? 
Which one? Yeah, I think that one. This one comes in from Terrence, who says, and this one, I want to be clear, we have a really broad understanding of what philosophy is. We're going to talk about, about Plato, but we're also going to talk about like media studies and media theory and also mm-hmm. about gender studies probably a little bit and, yeah. and, you know, psychoanalysis. Like we come from a very, I mean, like Natalie, you and I didn't go through what our academic histories are, but we yeah. talked about it before on the podcast. That yeah. We both have big critical theory backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other specialty you want to talk about? Um, I would say political theory is yeah. one that I spent a lot of time with. And then psychoanalysis was another big one. Um, so those are probably like my two, my two mains. Damn. Cool. Nice. <laughs> my squad. That's <laughs> my, that's my, my, uh, Donald and Goofy. And your Goofy. Mine is like yes. Karl Marx and Mikhail Foucault probably, or like, <laughs> Yeah, it's complicated. I gotta Photoshop this now. Yeah, what's good? Squad up. Uh, Terrence writes in and says, "How can the shot-for-shot remakes of moments from Disney films be read through art in the age of mechanical reproduction?" Which is a work by Walter Benjamin, which I've referenced a number of times on this podcast and other things. Is the uh, we'll get and we'll define that a little bit for you as we begin. Is the aura the heart of media? Are these Disney worlds media nobodies slash heartless? Um, here's my, my quick and dirty agent uh, art in the age of mechanical re- reproduction. Mm-hmm. Walter Benjamin says there was a time at which, and he says, he uses the word aura a number of different ways in a number of different works, but in, in, in art in the age of mechanical reproduction, he says there was a time when artworks had this, this thing about them mm-hmm. called aura, which to boil it down very reductively was tied to their distance and their singularity. Yes. If you had a painting in a museum somewhere, it was the painting and its distance from you, the fact that you had to travel uh, in space, the fact that your perspective was, even when you were around it, was unique and not matched to the other perspectives watching it or looking at it. Um, if it was if it was caught in time, the way a live performance might be, maybe even more so, those things gave it an aura that uh, made it like the ancient, that, that was kind of close to art, artistic and craft root in magical fetish, right? In like the creation of ritual objects that have a sort of power in their singularity. As mechanical reprodu- as methods of mechanical reproduction become more and more available, as you can start, you know, screen printing things or mass producing uh, flags and banners, as you can start putting uh, music down on vinyl, or as you can start, uh, especially with the creation of film, which eradicates the idea of an original altogether, because even the people making the film don't necessarily see the film as it is after at the end when you fucking edit it and finish it right um it the aura is is uh removed and you get a a work that no longer has that um and then and then kind of the big kind of final question is like how are those things being how are these mechanically reproduced works being used i think a lot of people a lot of people read that and go like and therefore he hates mechanically reproduced work especially film which is not the point at all (laughs) um but it's easy to get that because because when you hear like oh you know art used to be magic and now it's not it's easy to be like aha he hates modern (laughs) art but in fact he sees it as being a powerful uh, uh, thing, so powerful in fact that he sees the Nazis using it to kind of create Nazi Germany as uh, almost a work of art itself, mm-hmm. uh, something w- and, and a work of art with an aura itself almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and and specifically, uh, uh, he he's like sh- looking at the ways in which they have. Uh, I always have to get this right. They have aestheticize the political yes. and he calls you into action to begin to politicize the aesthetic, right? That like in our art creation, we should um, uh, begin to use these same methods to create works that are openly and actively political. Mm-hmm. So Terrence's question is like, 
is the reproduction of something like the Hundred Acre Forest, um, Hundred Acre Woods. I don't know Disney. It's this okay. Is I'm not mad. Thank you. you know From Thank the Book you. of Power. Thank, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Um, uh, or the world of Frozen, or shots from these movies. Yeah, they are they are reproductions of a sort. Right. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily Benjaminian reproductions in the exact way, but we should not do the thing we would do in a grad seminar where we quibble over particularities <laughs> like this, and we should take the question in a holistic and open way. So thoughts at the table. That does I'll read the question one more time. Um, uh, how can sh- the shot for shot remakes of moments from Disney films be read through art in the age of mechanical reproduction? Is the aura of the heart is the aura the heart of media, which is to say in media works, in artworks, does Benjamin's aura line up with Nomura's heart? And then are these Disney worlds media nobodies slash heartless? I like this question a lot. Me too. <laughs> so um, Natalie, we, we were talking in the in our notes here. Mm-hmm. You and I had a had a discussion here about let it go. Yeah. About Frozen World. Yeah. In Kingdom Hearts. Do we, do we, in Kingdom Hearts 3. Yes. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, this was an interesting question to me because the for, for the majority of the Disney worlds, they're not necessarily perfect reproductions because a lot of the times you have the insertion of Sora or Donald or Goofy like in the background or even like engaging with the characters themselves within like pivotal scenes uh, from from the movies. Um but then you brought up the the sort of like shot for shot uh, version of Let It Go that was in the Frozen World, and it's does it just play that as it is? I haven't seen this not, yet. I mean, is it? I haven't seen like a comparison between. I also haven't seen Frozen, so like again, I apart from the moments where. Sora, Donald, and Goofy are reacting. <laughs> yeah. It is shot <laughs> for shot. Are you really? sure yeah. they just weren't there originally, but they were invisible? Right. They could have been. That's my canon. And maybe the the pick the that's, Disney that's camera was, was turned away. <laughs> right. Um so so I think that's an interesting one to to think of. But uh for me, I thought a lot about um the sort of the next point I brought up was uh Frozen, Tangled, and the Pirates of the Caribbean world were the most, like, reproduced shot for shot. Mm -hmm. But the Pirates of the Caribbean world is a really interesting one because... The you have animation replacing live actors. Right. um, In which, you know... and, And I think it also should be said that, like... For the most part, most of these voice actors aren't the same. Like, they're different mm-hmm. voice actors doing the songs and the lines and things like that. So there's, like, a... a an, and the animation is, like, not exactly the same. So I feel right. like it's almost more of, like, an uncanniness that we that we get from this rather than... Yeah. Yeah, Kato has brought up a really bad shot from the... <laughs> from the... Yeah, please send that to them. Yeah, please do. From the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it's... Michael put that in the chat. Oh, oh okay. Michael, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you for that. Um, it's Kira Knightley uh, looking over, you know, uh, uh, at Orlando Bloom, or I forget what Elizabeth Swan looking at uh, John. What's I don't fucking John know. John Orlando Bloom. <laughs> Orlando Bloom <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. with Lightless. just Goofy in the background in like a very <laughs> emotional moment. Um, Garsh. Gorsh. Um, so yeah, so those are like the kind of things that I was uh, that 
this question led me to. Um, I'm curious to see if y'all have any. I think there's an important thing that I should like hit super briefly here too, yeah. which is like, what does removing the aura from a work do so that we can ask if the yeah. reproduction here does that? Yeah. And the thing that it does, and I think maybe you can start making this case, but only if you appeal to a certain type of um, uh, audience spectatorship and movie spectatorship is that as the aura is removed, the relationship with artwork socially changes. It goes from being a public uh, experience. Ah, let's go to the amphitheater. Ah, let's go to the museum and collectively look at a painting. Um, let's look at the, the the monument at the city square, the fountain mm. of the city square, to a private relationship with art in which it's it can be commercialized, in which it can be about home ownership or about uh, personal relationship with art instead of collective art, which shifts the work that art is meant to do and that art does because mm -hmm. it removes it. And so like, I think you can make a comparison here because watching watching uh, Elizabeth Swan yeah. and Orlando Jones in <laughs> the mm, one of them who could say uh, Legolas uh, in the theater with a bunch of people yeah. watching. Okay, here's a very clear example. I got one, and it's not going to be. A, it's going to be. Uh, I'm going to move into a space I really know well. Okay. If you, for instance, went to the uh, the movie theater to see if you earlier. Say this year, I'm not to see Dragon Ball Super Brawly. Knew it, uh, and we're part of the the like collective. experience, the collective experience. Be like, yo, yeah. As Brawly went, yo, when he was like strong. That's what strong Who's voice sounds like. Who's Brawly? Yeah, he's a legendary Super Saiyan. We'll we'll get there. Where's one Goku day. again? Go fighting him in this case. Oh, okay. Um, that is the social experience. Uh -huh. like, like, in fact, that experience might be living proof that Benjamin is wrong about the, f I mean, he's not wrong. It's just, we have to recognize that there is no finality in the removal of the aura or that the aura can be re-injected into a work by things like public exhibition, like exhibition maybe returns a certain sense of the aura to the work because it creates a time, a, a particular time and space once again. Mm -hmm. Though, of course, even that experience is replicated across theaters throughout the nation and world. So even there, it's mechanically reproduced, but you get what I'm saying. But, um, but even still, the, the experience, like not all theaters are no, the same totally. and you're also watching with different people. So I think the sort of like uniqueness of that in perspective is still totally I mean, even Benjamin wouldn't say that every print of the Mona Lisa is equivalent necessarily right um yeah I wouldn't say it's like about equivalence it's a I think there's like room for variation yeah I think that's even in the text yeah um but when you're playing Dragon Ball Fighters in your own home as the legendary Super Saiyan Brawly those are you have a different relationship with that for sure you might still say yo though because that game is dope yeah um, any other thoughts on the aura here? Um, well, I mean, what, what I think is interesting about the initial question is it's asking, is Kingdom Hearts Frozen right. the nobody ugh, of, uh, of real Frozen? And I uh, just want to let you know that Nosfexer would actually be the nobody of Frozen. <laughs> Thank um, you. I appreciate it. Just in point, case you were point. That's you not were true. Curious. You're actually wrong. Nosfexer would be the Organization 13 version. Oh, uh, frozen. Right. See, right. fucking cannot slip steel trap right here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to to get these. Uh, I'm trying to get you to admit weakness, Austin, <laughs> on on the podcast. I'm trying to get you there. I was um, very listen. I was just like, if you saw Dragon Ball in theaters, <laughs> my weakness knows no bounds, and that is why it is my strength. 
But I mean, I think Natalie right. said that in the movie. He did. Oh, yeah, you got the quotes memorized? <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen that movie. Got I need to go to the theater. <laughs> what I saw was a tweet and assumed that that was true. Mm, uh, but, but, but what I think, I, I mean, I think Natalie's right. There's something really bizarre. Like, all of these are like bizarre world recreations. Of of the thing that you're supposed to have an intense emotional reaction to, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know if it's like I don't I don't know where the aura fits here, right? Because the aura for me is not just like do you have an intensive um, emotional or uh, you know mental reaction to mm-hmm. it, right? It's something about like is this the thing that delivers the truth, right? yeah, the right. truth of this object or whatever, and like frozen can't ever do that right like can it, kingdom it hearts like, though excuse me wait, but that's wait, the wait, thing. are you there's saying some, that frozen some... is not but yes frozen but made that's me the cry. thing right like frozen is like a vehicle to sell songs to you right it, it's Damn. not a real thing Damn, the yeah but but i'll be on it like what natalie was saying earlier right where we're, we're kind of joking about the the reaction shots yeah. from goofy but that is like the erratic thing right when goofy is looking at the the event of frozen happening i'm like that's real shit that's someone that's someone having thoughts and feelings in front of me this is unique you can't you can't turn this right, into I, a commercial natalie has to be able to respond to the frozen I mean, first Discourse. of all, uh-huh. do not do not drag Frozen in front of me, someone who has seen Frozen <laughs> probably over fifty times. Yo, <laughs> I don't want to. S- I don't. I don't want to say. Uh, wow, my mom and I really like that movie. Good. It's a really. I'm it, happy we, for you. We bonded a lot over that movie. But what I will say is, I feel like a lot of the because. So here's the thing: I'm a huge Disney fan. Those mm-hmm. movies are evocative for me. They do have, I have like very personal relationships with them. Um, uh, both Tangled, like most of those movies are, are that, you know, make up the world. Uh, fucking uh, At World's End or whatever, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, I've also seen like maybe 20, 25 wow. times. I've seen, it's like one of my I don't favorite movies. Seen any movie that many times. I like rewatch, it's like a thing. Anyway. Okay. No, I'm not here to drag you for it. Like, so I just fun- don't have that relationship. <laughs> it's funny that this game ended up like having a lot of those, those movies in it for me. But I think the thing that just kept pushing me away was the distance between Sora, Donald, and Goofy and the scenes themselves. Like there was not as much interact like it was a lot of reaction and it wasn't as a a lot of engagement with like as Mm -hmm. as Sora Donald and Goofy are watching like Elsa build the frozen castle and like sing let it go and like run away and she's in this like huge cathartic moment of her life like they're just like wow woo like it's like well they're just you right they like they're the audience looking at the work Yeah, yeah it's true it's true but for some reason I because because they because I'm here to see them too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it is hard for me to connect with them as as like my proxy. Um because I want I want their frozen moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm no, like I'm you. looking for their like that's that's a lot of Kingdom Hearts 3 is like waiting for those pivotal like emotional where they actually engage with, with their the engage, themes and with like, the themes of, of the worlds and also their own fiction and their own right. lore and things like that. So I think it's actually that distance in and how you know Sora, Donald and Goofy are often like reactions in in those moments that kind of 
that's where the aura is is lost. Is lost for, for me. you. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. I think we should I mean, go on. Michael, do you have anything else here? Oh, I was just going to say, like, what I think is interesting about these um, sort of moments, even even if they're like, well, I mean, they're they're a little alienating, right? To pull mm-hmm. in to pull in Brecht here, um, <laughs> uh, Bertolt Brecht, uh-huh. uh, who is a, a German um, playwright yep. who uh, came up with this idea called epic theater. Um his basic his basic argument was that like uh, what we would call sort of like naturalistic or realistic theater that it's sort of like uh, something that you can like aesthetically like immerse yourself in right you can really believe in these characters in this story um, this is all just like a you know bourgeois like trap um, and so he wants to have theater that is going to uh, shatter this illusion right your suspension of disbelief now I don't think Kingdom Hearts is like intentionally doing this weird Brechtian thing with Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do think that there is something going on here where, if anything, what we're seeing is maybe like a clash of auras, um, oh, which is my next fantasy novel. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, yeah, a clash of auras. Right, Michael Lutz. right, right. But like, you know, thinking about this, right, we have um, like there is there are auras around these Disney characters, right? Goofy like it or not, has an aura, right? Mm-hmm. That is a character who is kind of like in in the I've um, seen that web comic where he tells well, where he tells his son that he has an aura. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Believe it or not, Maxie, um, <laughs> your dad has uh, an aura. <laughs> uh, and then like Pirates of the Caribbean kind of as this brand, right, has has sort of an aura, a kind of thing that it uh, represents a kind of um, cultural cachet. Uh, and if we want to run with like a filmic metaphor, right, uh, Kingdom Hearts is almost like this weird montage of mm. all of these different Disney properties, like selectively cutting between them. And it results in this really uh, bizarre and sometimes alienating effect, like the the goofy screenshot where he's just kind of watching, <laughs> watching Orlando Bloom die, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he could help, I think. Or he, maybe he couldn't. He doesn't have healing <laughs> he spells. Died. He died. Yeah. Also, Goofy's dead. Um, awesome. Good first question. It only took us, oh, fuck. 40 minutes? Oh, no. How far are we in? Welcome to Game Study. Welcome to Waypoint Radio. That's two great tastes that are extremely long. Um, We should do another one that is, does anyone else have one they want to jump to, actually? I guess I'll open it up. Because I do, but I will happily let the the room decide. Um, Go. All right. Sarah writes in about an easy topic. Uh, hi guys, I had a question for your podcast. Excuse me. Hi, I had a question for your podcast about Kingdom Hearts and philosophy. For me, one of the most interesting recurring themes in Kingdom Hearts is the relationship between memory and the self, and like having a stable identity. I can distinctly remember Chain of Memories giving me an existential crisis about the about this at the age of ten. Do y'all have any thoughts about that? or just on the function of memory in the series as a whole. Um what what is what is identity, Michael? No, <laughs> well, just a quick just a quick little question. Oh, that's okay, a quick, just, easy a, just, one. A, just a really yeah, brief one. What do we mean here? when we okay. say identity? Well, are you a Marxist? No. Um <laughs> Yeah, what are you? What is the what yeah. Yes, I was going to say like we're 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 what's our what's our tendency what's our, here? What's our paradigm um, to work inside of? Yeah. <laughs> um so I would say, like, specifically within the context of memory here, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the ways that we can conceptualize identity um, would be a, a kind of narrative, right? Memory as narrative, which is to say when you conceive of yourself as as a person, yeah. um, 
as as a subject or what have you, you have a story that you tell about your life. Mm. And that story is largely made up of of your memories of things that have happened to you. Um, sometimes maybe it's like things that you don't remember, but things that people have said to you, especially when you were a right. child. Or things uh, that you misremember, but, but are still part of that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So um, if we want to think about identity as, as a function of memory or maybe a symptom or consequence of memory uh, – then that's maybe where we want to to pitch our tent is memory or rather identity is um, narrativized memory, right? A series of narrativized memories uh, that are in some way assumed to be uh, continuous with one another. Each one falls upon the next. There's probably some sort of cause and effect going on, um, but it's not necessarily a closed system, right? New things can come in. Things can shift. Uh, we can think of identity this way. Does this help us, Austin? It does, because, I mean, I think the, one of the core questions, Sarah is right that I think memory and identity are two of the, the, big, the biggest forces at work here, mm-hmm. because characters are constantly losing their memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, their memories are constantly being stolen from them, mm-hmm. uh, or their memories are free-floating in space. And I, to this day, don't know where they are stored. To what degree does a body have a memory? To what degree does a and I mean and I, in here we can start to understand memory in a very broad sense, not just in the narrative form, but also in the the physiological one. Mm-hmm. Muscles have memory, and I mean that both in terms of like oh I can do a thing a certain way, but also uh, ludically ludically inside of a game, like what abilities do you have when you when you take on the form of a different character when you play as lingering mm-hmm. will in a brief moment? That's a true thing that happens once, right? I think there's a moment. Kato? No. Is that not true? <laughs> no, you fight lingering I well. I there's a moment where you play as and it's dope. No, that would okay. be dope. Maybe it's a moment where you play as Terra or you play as Aqua. Unless that's later? Mm. Or in a different game, rather? Anyway. You play as Aqua in this game. In uh, three. Sorry. Okay. Maybe someone linked me to, like, a fan thing. Because I definitely watched someone play as Lingering Will once. Um, that might be I think it's like game. a fan hack. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Uh, my point is, when you play as a character who is not just Sora. I mean, yeah. one, Sora loses his abilities. Yes. So that's, like, mm-hmm. an immediate thing, right? But there are times when you're playing as other characters whose memories in the, in the memory sense may not be stable, mm-hmm. but whose abilities are contiguous with who they used to be uh, or the opposite in which their memories are stable and yet they can't cast the spell anymore even though like a game ago you were totally dope um, and then on top of that it's just what is a heart what is a soul what is a mind what is a body what is a nobody what is a heartless what is a person what is a replica and what is a replica and to what degree do all these like that is the core of kingdom hearts yes and and inflating that question and then providing various answers for those various configurations is like what, where the drama emerges from. So I mean, like there's so many places to enter this with. What is a, I mean, this is my first question. This was the question in the first episode that I said 20 minutes in was in the world of kingdom hearts, does existence precede essence or does essence precede existence? And fucking 30 games in, I'm still not 100% sure, except that I know that existence can produce essence, but I don't know. I don't think it fits into the, in the, into the, like the Sartesian, I don't, Sart, like, Sartre, like, Sartrean, Sartrean, like model of, of, of existence, um, or into a dualist model. It definitely doesn't fit into a dualist model of existence. What is the model here? I think it, I mean, it's so, 
It, what is a person? Here's okay. Let's start here. Identity was too advanced in the world of Kingdom Hearts. What is a person? Kata. I don't know. A body, a heart, and a soul. <gasps> mm-hmm. Then but no, because that means because then because then no. Shion wouldn't be a Shion's person. a person. Shion's a person. That's a heart in a fake body. Does it have a soul though? Does she have a soul? I don't think she does. She's a person though. Yeah, She's totally a person. That's People true. have okay, souls okay, though. Okay, so. I think, the problem I think is part of I think part three. Yes, I think part of it is that she eventually makes her own. Mm, she makes her own soul, shit. right? That is a thing that happens. <laughs> she <laughs> develops her own essence. So she okay. We should set this up. Shion is a replica. She's a clone body, right? She's a yeah, replica right. that is uh, specifically made. Hold on, to no, no, sorry, sorry. Other no. way around. Shion originally was. Hold on. She mm. was made up of memories, which means. Here's the thing. Where does where do gonna, memories live in Kingdom Hearts? We in, don't know. In, anywhere. Anywhere in they both, want. Right? I guess. Because Lingering Will has memories of uh, Terra. But it's only a body. But it's only a, no, it's only is a soul inside of a suit of armor. Okay, yeah. but that's a body. But yeah, yes. It's not it's not Terra's body. <laughs> no. It is a body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then fucking Shion has the memories of uh, or is siphoning the memories off of... She's an imperfect replica of Roxas. So right. She's a Roxas mm-hmm. clone that has then le- Sora's leaked memories right. in, in it. Yeah. So right. she has right. memories and a replica body, but no heart and no soul unless souls are memories. I think that's that's probably a way to think of it is that baseline any memories can be considered souls, but your own personal memories are hearts. What's the screenshot? Because that's how you develop a heart is by existing in the in the world, right? And having experiences. What was the screenshot I sent you today? The one there was like, there's a difference between a soul. I, we don't need a, we don't need the soul. We only need the heart is a thing yes. that Xehanort says. Yes. At yeah. one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can I read again from the wiki here? The KH wiki? Please. Is that cheating? <laughs> no. All right. Quote, secret answer report four. When the soul leaves the body, its vessel, life, gives way to death. The soul, or tamashi, also known as the spirit or the mind, both bolded, along with the body and heart, is a part vital to the complete existence of any living thing. The soul literally gives the body life and is the difference between being alive or dead. It is the force that wills the body to live and drives it to survive. So it's like a human passion. Right, like it is. It is mm. the pat. It is not reason. It is not thought. It is not intellect. It is. I need to eat food. I want to open the door. It's. It's desire. It is. It is the blood pumping. So that um, when a nobody is made, all it is is a body and a soul. And as they experience, wait, let things, me finish reading. Oh, sorry. I, that might be true, but it might not be. When someone becomes a heartless. The heart, which controls the body, is released, and the body and soul is left behind. Yeah. So that means a heartless. No, that means a no, nobody. A nobody. Usually the body, the, body the no. Yeah. Usually the body and soul having no guidance wither away. However, if that person's will was strong enough, the soul will take command of the body and will it on. So desire, will becomes the whole of the thing. That means that a mm. nobody is will personified, mm-hmm. will desire lifted to intellect in a, like a Cartesian dualist or like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the animal. It is the, I want to fucking go eat a burger of yourself. Mm-hmm. And here's where we can connect heart to identity, heart and identity to memory here yes. is because over time, those nobodies that were created yes. do form their own narrative. hearts, their own narrative, their own narrative their own which okay. means, which right. is why at the end of, I forget which game it is. They're like, 
they're trying to get their hearts back, but actually they create new hearts um, by the end of think two is when that's revealed. That you actually, mean the organization <sighs> thirteen members? Yeah, yeah, the organization thirteen members. Yeah, are like, do beings with hmm, do beings that have hearts also always have souls? Yes. If, a, if you remove the soul from a, a body with a heart, oh, that's just killing it. That's yes. like if I like bop. <laughs> when Goofy got hit with the rock, if that had killed him, yes. his soul would have died and then his body would mm-hmm. have died. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. What's all this mean? Well, <laughs> if we turn to, uh, let's say, Neoplatonism, um, which actually has, uh, I wrote about this in the notes, but. Uh, uh, Neoplatonism will actually probably sound pretty familiar um, because it ends up feeding into a lot of um, sort of Christian thinking. Um, so if you're any in any way sort of familiar with like Christian theology um, and sort of like uh, how, how Christian doctrine in various places has talked about bodies and souls and so on and so forth, this might sound very familiar. But in Neoplatonism, which is different from regular Platonism because it's not Plato himself writing. It's basically people, um, the Plotinus is the big one, uh, expanding on the kind of cosmology that Plato, the metaphysics and the cosmology that Plato lays out where uh, there's a world of forms, kind of universal, uh, eternal, um, and then they uh, get instantiated in the material world. So the the philosopher's favorite object, the chair, uh, you know, there is a there is a chair in front of you that is a material chair. But at the same time, um, your ability to recognize it as a particular individual that is a member of this larger group of things called chairs means that there is some form uh, of like perfect chairness that exists somewhere uh, that kind of like prior to individuation, prior to memory and in a kind of a almost uh, divine realm uh, that we are in some way aware of. Uh, so Neoplatonism takes this and starts to think about how the mechanics of all this work uh, And Neoplatonism will say that uh, the sort of central being in the world is, is the one which we might as well call God, but is also called uh, beauty and the good or something like that. Sure. Um, there is the one that is totally so gently one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm following. Plato and- kills all the versions of himself. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so as, uh, as the one sort of expands outward into, into cause, into the cosmos, into creation, um, the one is filtered through, uh, these forms, right, taking on individual qualities, but then in filtering through the forms down to the individual world, this is where we get like specific chairs coming down from the idea of of uh, the the form of a chair. Now, this gets really interesting when we start talking about people for right. Neoplatonists. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> people aren't chairs. So there's all this other complex stuff that's going on inside of people that Neoplatonists want to explain. Um and sort of the basic idea becomes uh, that there the 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 part of the one that flows down into creation to become a person is what we would call the soul, right? This mm-hmm. kind of unique extension of the one. Um, in taking on physical form, however, which is to say, in acquiring the body, um, the soul needs something else. Uh, And this is uh, kind of a problem. Um, We've talked about Cartesian dualism here, uh, but uh, the sort of understanding of souls and bodies is that they are not the same sort of thing. And so the the question becomes, like, how do they interact? Right. What's the mechanism by which 
the soul, this thing that is tied to the divine realm that we cannot access, somehow still accesses us. Mm. Right. And so the answer for the Neoplatonists is this thing called spirit, mm. um, which is kind of like the glue that holds soul and body together. Uh, and so from this, a lot of other interesting things unfold, right, because we have different kinds of souls uh, uh like plants have souls, right? They have vegetative souls because they are alive. Now, a rock doesn't have a soul and a chair doesn't have a soul. That's just matter. Um, but plants have a vegetative soul. Uh, animals have a vegetative and an animal soul. So vegetative is the growing soul. OK, right. The soul that grows. Uh, the animal soul is the soul of passion. So this is what we're talking about with desire, wanting things, being hungry, having to go to the bathroom. That's your animal soul. And then humans are unique because they have a rational soul, which is which unique is, for uh, us as people. Yeah, right. Like that is the key in the Neoplatonist sort of way of thinking. That is what makes a, a human being a human being is this specific uh, rational soul that we have in addition to our animal and our vegetative or our vegetable souls. In that case, it um, feels like that that trio does to me feel very much like body, soul, heart. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is what I was like when I was was thinking about um, doing this podcast and I was like, man, what does Kingdom Hearts remind me of? Oh, yeah, like pre-Christian Greek Platonism. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can I say but, yeah. that from reading my favorite philosopher, Xehanort, um, <laughs> I actually think he actually has an uh, Aristotelian view on forms and not oh, okay. a, a platonic one or a Neoplatonist one. He says... Okay. And I'm like, uh, actually, he when you first when I first start reading this, if you've read any pre-Socratic philosophers, he sounds like a pre-Socratic so much. He says in ancient times, no such buffer. Okay, so I should say that there. Are, uh, he says in a previous letter or a previous report that there are like buffers between right, so this the different is worlds. Terranoid. Uh, I don't know when this was written. I it depends. It's written. In birth, <laughs> it was written in birth by sleep, so oh, okay, it may have been pre pre Terranoid. Yeah. He said Aqua obtains it from a chest in Merlin's house at Radiant Garden. So that, that's, that's Xehanort. Yeah, actual Xehanort. Actual Xehanort, okay. yeah. In ancient times, no such buffers kept the larger world divided. There were no worlds, walls of light enclosing each smaller world as they do today. Nothing prevented one from physically interacting with the next. At that time, the world was filled with light and a great many keyblade key wielders. But without buffers, the world began to squabble over ownership of the light. You see, they learned of the keyblade's true use. War broke out, blah, blah, blah. War, there's a war over Kingdom Hearts. So here's where I think he ended up being Aristotelian and not uh, a Platonist. Kingdom Hearts okay. could be described as an aggregate of hearts. Worlds, too, have hearts just like people. Each world's heart is concealed from sight beyond a hidden door. By gathering all the hearts of all the worlds in a single place, one may complete kingdom hearts. And so Aristotle says the forms aren't in a plane. Forms are intrinsic to a thing. They're here in our world. We can't see them in that way. But there is the chairness is in the chair. The chairness isn't in a plane somewhere. There is an aggregate chair that we know and that is true. I think Aristotle's a fucking dweeb for this, by the way. I don't think I don't like, but. But uh, but Aristotle is, is rejects the Platonic I, I, the Platonic realm of ideals entirely and says that the the form cannot exist outside of the chair. 
Um, and so I right. think Xehanort is like, what if we got all the chairs together? Then we could get the big chair. Then we would know what a chair we're, was. We're getting the chairs back together. Finally. <laughs> oh. No, no, I, I think you're absolutely right, because this is where like the Neoplatonist reading like gets super bizarre because in Neoplatonist. So in, in this kind of like uh, schema we're building up, the, the one in Neoplatonism would be Kingdom Hearts. Mm -hmm. um, but to it, like for a Neoplatonist, <laughs> yeah, of course, right? Like like this cast ourselves back thousands of years. Um, Playing a Kingdom Hearts philosopher, still there. That's how many <laughs> yeah. games there were. <laughs> if a Neoplatonist philosopher just like suddenly looked up and was like, you know, what if we took control of the one and like opened it up and let lightness and darkness fall through? Like that's what Zehenord is doing, right? But also, why like, didn't that happen? It, <laughs> Right. Like that's just, like that's not a thing that the Neoplatonists ever thought about. Like, that's Damn. absurd. Why would you take over the one? But Zedinord <laughs> is like, no, no, here we go. <laughs> Great. Uh, are there any other ways here we can think about identity? We can like, again, open this because identity is this really broad thing. And we were just we just spent a lot of time talking about identity in the like the platonic way in this very like classical philosophy sense um, in a way that I think a lot of analytic philosophy is interested in where is the mind, but there are other ways to think about identity. I like, I think there are multiple queer people in this room. There are multiple people of color in this room. Like what we think of as identity is not just the like, where does my, where do my thoughts sit in my brain? Yeah. Where's, where's me? the localization? It, right. It's also what is lived experience like. Yeah. Does anyone have like thoughts on how Kingdom Hearts touches on that? Because like my first gut answer was like, I don't know that it says much about some of this stuff or I think it says, I think you can read it there. I think the yeah. text is the text and we can, we can unravel the text forever for literally yeah. forever. We'll get to Derry Dobb maybe, but, <laughs> but, um, it is not, it's hard for me to point to a, a spot and go, ah, here it is speaking about nationality or ethnicity or gender or sexuality, except that all the characters are gay, except that they keep trying <laughs> to like pair them off in hetero relationships that don't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot about, um, well, to, to talk about, like you do, hmm, okay, let me think. Yes. I think that in terms of lived experience that can be applied for a character like Shion. Yeah. Um, because, and specifically her existence, it's a lived existence and it's also a relational existence, right? Because it's so much uh, from God, yeah. the relationship she develops. And I think about like communities. I think about, uh, obviously there are like, I'm trying to think of one character of color, Diz. Diz. Kind of, yeah, who then becomes white. <laughs> uh, we have a whole note in here about Diz, about whether or not, yeah, Diz is a person of color or not. Ambiguous, maybe, is what is what we would say. Right, but if I want to read it, yes, and if I, I want to read the text, please read the text. Um, I think of I think of Xi'an and her relationship to uh, Axel and Roxas. Oh, we should also say really quick: there are certainly characters of color who are probably meant to be represented as Asian. As East Asian. Yeah. Well, we, that's just like it's anime has a history where anime like aesthetic has yes. a history of it being a sort of light skin, light skinned in such a way that is that when we when we say people of color here, we mean black and brown bodies yeah. primarily and black mm -hmm. and brown people probably just aren't aren't in this. Mm -hmm. Zigbar is like you right also on don't the really line. have uh, you don't really have concepts or I'm trying to think of like concepts of nationality. In like where where is like that belonging to? And your world, right? Your world. And in fact, like one of my notes was just like, it's there has to be someone who can spend the time with this that talks about the ability that Sora, Donald, and Goofy have to go into a world and begin to pass. 
and begin to code switch. Well, they mm. literally change. Is that a, do they do that actively? Or yes. Or is that just happening? No, it's that- active. Donald does mm. it for them wow. so that they'll fit in. And because yeah. the, the most important thing is that other worlds are not supposed to know that they're not from that world. So when they go in, like, for example, when they go into the uh, Monsters, Inc. world, they all become furries. And (laughs) uh, I think those are their true forms. Same. Agreed. And like Sora looks at Donald is like, oh, where'd you come up with this one? He was like, oh, well, remember, like, we can't like, you you know, say it's like ongoing throughout. I think it's like uh, Yen Sid or someone is like, you can't, you know, show or Merlin or someone is like, you need to retain like, you know, you need to act like you belong from this place. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so that's kind of weird, but, uh, but back to what I was saying before about, about Xi'an, I think, you know, I think about like collective identity and communities and how so much of her, um, her, her narrative, the, the narrative that she's built, the memories that she has are shared memories with, they're, they're not necessarily, we don't get, at least from what I know about which one is she in. Mm. Which one is the one? Uh, Dream Drop Distance? No. Chain of Memory. No. Chain of Memories? No. Kingdom Hearts 2? No. Because she's hanging out with Axel <laughs> <laughs> and 358. Thank you. Okay, thank you, mm-hmm. gamers. Um, so, so, so. So many of so many of the things that like change her from this like regular replica into a person, right. which is obviously a complicated. Right, because I mean, like, for a while was she not a person? Not meant to be. But was she? I don't care what she was meant to be. I know she wasn't meant to be. Let me be honest. In a sense, are we all not meant to right. be persons? No, most of us are are d person. Not most of us. Many of us d- have yeah. their personification or hmm, their personhood right. removed. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. but I yes. will. I'm going to go out on a limb real quick. I'm hot take. I think we're all people. Uh, we're all people. <laughs> um, except that maybe I'm wrong. Because then what I'm doing is obje- is saying that there's an objective truth called personhood yeah. that I would then be centering as like a moral good and like actually isn't personhood also produced in a key way. And mm-hmm. is that a hand or you're petting a cat? Oh, I'm, I'm petting a cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's really interesting because you think about like Xion was made, right? She was yes. constructed yes. for a specific purpose. To service, and this kind of she's gets, a weapon. Effectively, she's a weapon, right? effectively. Or a backup. What she's is a she? fail, like a she's a safeguard. Yeah. Yes. Um. So anyway, I think there is something to be said about uh um, you know, relational, I, like identities that are formed from relations, and and I think about that a lot as, um, you know, being mixed. I think there's like a like a mixed race uh, way of reading this in terms of like the people that you you know, uh, um, that you share experiences with how, like the, which, like what sides of you uh, like inform that? Like, what have you, I've spent a lot of time with like my Latino side. And so I like, I inform a lot of my identity from that, even though I pass as white. Right. So that's like something I think about a lot. Sure. Um, and she had someone who like, like here, we are not talking about human, human ethnicity and race, mm -hmm. but like, I mean, something very fascinating with Xi'an specifically is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but early on in her life specifically, when someone sees her, they project an image onto her. Yes. Yes. Right? This is so interesting. Why is it interesting to you? 
I'm not saying um, it's not interesting. I'm not like, oh yeah, why the fuck like, is it interesting? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's like, oh man, I wasn't expecting this, no, 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 this but, call to be uh, this confrontation. Let me say what Cameron would, <laughs> what Cameron would say to you in, in Game Study Studies Buddies. Can you elaborate on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that true, um, Michael? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it might go the other way sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think big picture question. I'm just going to like, here, here's my hot take, right? One of the reasons I think Kingdom Hearts is successful. One of the reasons I think people like it is precisely because it is um, narratively just kind of this weird machine for processing these questions of identity. Um, mm-hmm. And if you are um, a queer person or a person of color um, or in sort of any sense, you know, like uh, marginalized uh, and you feel like you you kind of have to divide yourself between different realms of your life or like you're being your life is being informed by things you don't entirely understand. Uh, the narrative of this game is a really great way to like it's a really great framework for thinking about your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Xion is like the apotheosis of this problem yeah because yeah like when when she first uh shows up or i i cannot keep the timeline straight but like (laughs) for a bit there every time someone sees her they just see someone else Mm because i know like um i mean some people think she looks like Kyrie, and i don't remember who who it is but some people just see her as like a doll like not even really yeah some people just see the replica body that's oh, yeah. It's like the oh, all- when you say some people, you mean people in the world of Kingdom Hearts. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. No, I no, thought no, you just- meant like some people on Twitter are just like, no, <laughs> no, that's a doll. Which would have it's been like, a fucking. What are you guys talking about? There's just this doll in this game, and it never speaks, and everyone's acting like it's a character. The aura has um, returned. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, 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 no. So, like, yeah, um, she is uh, the the character where you see kind of most explicitly these these problematics of identity laid out mm-hmm. um, because her identity is totally like predetermined by people outside of sort of her like people not necessarily people who control her right but she was she was literally created for a purpose right her identity has a kind of um, precondition for it that is not something that she picked not something that she decided on um and this applies to other characters in this series right but like she kind of like smashes it all down into a single person uh so there's that and then uh there's the sort of way that uh everyone seems to think that she's someone else and that's kind of confusing for everyone involved but then by the end of this story she has uh essentially constructed an identity through this uh this agonistic process of um sorting through all of the memories of other people from other people that are leaking into her or through her and the projections that people are making onto her can you define Um, agonistic for people briefly yes okay sorry uh, i'm just you know you gotta do it (laughs) gotta do it so uh agon uh or agonistic if we're uh, using it as an adjective, is a way of describing a process that is, um, let's say, fraught, but not necessarily adversarial, right? right? So if we think of, like, um, Aegon as uh, pain, in a sense, right? But not necessarily, like, physical pain. It can be mental pain. Aegon is the word that um, the Greeks used to describe, like, the the, uh, trials that the Olympians underwent, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of exertion. so in a when I say that uh, the process of identity formation for Xion is agonistic, what I mean is essentially she is swimming against the current, 
right? Mm-hmm. The world is flowing in one direction. And in order to become a person, she has to exert herself um, and like go against the grain of a lot of things that people are going to set up for her or project onto her or what have you. Which is contrasted with many other characters. Not that every character at some point is like, what's up with my identity? But many of the characters we see in some sort of natural state uh, at the beginning of their stories just living their lives, just going through their day, hanging out on an island, like playing with friends mm-hmm. or, or dealing with day-to-day problems. But those problems are not necessarily tied to like that core question of identity. directly of identity, of who the fuck am I? How do I define myself? Um, And I, 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 yeah, like this definitely speaks to like, oh, wow, this is part of why Shion is so interesting and so Mm -hmm. fuck, (laughs) is so like uh, uh, compelling for me as a person who's watched all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And the other half of it is we do see her at ease. Mm -hmm. We see her at ease eating ice cream at the top of the tower, looking out over the the world with her friends. Yeah. um, Where it doesn't necessarily feel agonistic. Right. And I don't know what that means about what Kingdom Hearts wants to say about her her identity and about what is true about her. But I'll read it. I, for me, I guess like I want to read it in the most. I don't want to go into it being like, let me poke holes in this because yeah. I think you could at that point. I think the point at which is like, oh, yes, I'm my most I am who I am only when other people around me are in relation to me such. I don't know that that ends up being a very positive read, but I. But I think you can, if you look at it as like, so if you look at it as like, one one thing I was thinking about while we're talking all this is like expressions of queerness and how uh, how important shared experiences are for that, and uh, you know, thinking about like I was most comfortable being like my absolute queer self when I was like surround like surrounded by queer people and like and. And like engaging with and and not necessarily like engaging in something queer, like specifically, but just like the that presence yeah, yeah, and yeah. like knowing that like that there was like a security there and a connection there was was the thing that like solidified it for me the most. Um, and she's certainly surrounded herself with other people who have questions of identity and yeah. <laughs> who have determined who they are through struggle. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I, 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 I'm with you on that. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I think that's the read I want to take away from it. Yeah. The one that is tougher for me, the one that I'm like still trying to work through is, I think the person, I think if those characters died, mm-hmm. it would be tragic. Mm-hmm. But Xi'an would still be a person. Well, And he, I, that's like Austin believes that. I don't know if Kingdom Hearts believes that. I don't know mm. if Kingdom Hearts does because Kingdom Hearts actively complicates that with when Shion sacrifices herself for Roxas. Right. And literally becomes forgotten and literally mm-hmm. disappears. And we have no idea how Shion comes back in Kingdom Hearts We still 3. don't fucking know, right? I guess that's the next thing, right? Yeah. Uh, Nomura mentioned well, something, we right? Kinda, don't what? we kind of know? I'm, I mean, there's some stuff like um, Axel buying three sea salt things and not knowing why he's doing that and then oh, wait, when you he see looks that as, off you see that as being part of bringing her back yeah not like well, phenomenal there's something of, about being yeah there's something that happens a lot of times in these games where someone is forgotten and yet there is this resonant i don't know echo of a memory that right, cuts right. through yeah. a lot of people yeah i mean when he and Kyrie, it's like in the first third of the game at some point but he and Kyrie are just sitting and talking to each other and he's like looking at the sunset and openly weeping 
which mm-hmm. is like a deeply emotional thing. That to me is right. only him recognizing that he is remembering something that he cannot remember. Mm-hmm. Right. right. He right. knows that he's having an emotion about it, which is all just to say that, I mean, I think that, I think that you're right, and I think the problem in Kingdom Hearts is you are only as good as you, or your worth or your existence is um, only sufficient to the world if people can remember you. But I think the other side of that is that it's very hard to forget someone in this mm. universe. Yeah. Like, it is difficult to eradicate the memory of someone. Yeah. Um, which is like how Maleficent comes back, too, right? In Kingdom Hearts 2. So mm-hmm. um, there's some of that going on, I think. That's interesting. I think definitely, but I uh, I think there's also a degree to which belief in the memory is important because it would be mm-hmm. so yeah. easy to cast aside that feeling of deja vu or that feeling of like, oh, I feel like, you know, when, when Roxas's friends are like looking at the picture and they're like, I like... I don't, I don't know that person, but I feel like I do. Or like, here's a picture yeah. of us, so we must. Or like when Kyrie, you know, in in the beginning of or in the beginning of two, like suddenly has like this like feeling of something related to Sora, but doesn't have a name for it, doesn't have a word for yeah. it. But she, but the key is she believes it, even if it's not fully formed yet. Mm-hmm. The key is like these characters yeah. believe in like the fragmented lost memories, and that's mm-hmm. what. And in that way, they are accepting of trauma in a way that the world would like them not to be, mm-hmm. right? Like the world yeah. is such would be like, just keep going, like accept this thing, move on. I mean, we also see this with Roxas, right? Like in some ways with his his story at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2 is like you have that thing that is like, no, this isn't, mm, there is something, there is something here that I, that there is something repressed here that's bubbling up. And mm-hmm. what do you do with that repression? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you, you, I mean, I think from what I've seen of Kingdom Hearts three, even, even Xehanort ends up being about that to some degree about her oppressed past and, and about mm-hmm. broken promises all of, and trauma and blah, blah, blah. All of the organization 13 members. I mean, when you go, I mean, if you haven't bounced yet because of a spoiler, <laughs> there's a huge spoiler for Kingdom Hearts three coming right now. Here it goes. When you kill everyone, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> when everyone's dead, when you when when but at, at the end of at the end of the game, when you're going through and when like the story first finally starts happening, and the story finally starts happening, the last four uh. hours of the fucking game, uh, <laughs> when you're killing, when you're you know defeating each of the organization thirteen members, those like thirty seconds with them are just m- like some of the most emotional writing. In the whole franchise, and they're talking about how you know some of them. Some of them talk about how they were they they didn't. I mean, you know, you can read it a lot of ways, but some of them talk about how they they didn't want this, and that like they oh the one I'm thinking of uh, is is Zemnis's ending when he talks about feeling a feeling for the first time, and he's like it feels like loneliness, and he's like it takes strength and a strong heart to feel this feeling mm. and not shy away from it and to like if it, it takes a strong heart to feel feelings and like i i like had just cast them all away for some other purpose um and so where was i uh, you know i don't know we're talking about the the centrality of trauma and repression right 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 right, right. Mm-hmm. well the the well the flip just the following on exactly from that moment what is so fascinating to me about those final battles is they're all in 
pairs or, or triples. Mm-hmm. And so you literally, and you're fighting right. them all at one time. So you'll kill one of these characters and you get this kind of emotive and all of them, I agree, Natalie, all of them are, are really affecting a, a lot more than I thought they would be. But then the battle just starts back up again yeah. and you are. And so it's wow. this kind of like treadmill of, of traumas and, yeah. and this kind of crucible of like, no matter how much you feel for these people and no matter how much you are thinking about this game and the previous four or five games that you've had to experience with them, all of that is just more, you know, stuff for the grist mill, which is the end of the game that's getting us toward the end of um, this whole process, this like 11 game or whatever process. Um, So yeah, I found it really, there, there's something interesting going on there about trauma and identity about how they can be so singular and so important in that moment and yet be, kicked out or forgotten or not necessary anymore for the game's plot um yeah so yeah it's weird it's i think it has a lot to do with just that that game like the game's structure and how it in how it weaves lore and story into the game itself um you know the fact that I think I think that was like a messy way when when Austin and I and and Kato and I were like you know when I was finishing it earlier today and yesterday um, we were thinking about like this all of these moments could have been like interspersed across like the whole game it didn't have to all take place at this end time and when you're in the end it's like after everything you've gone through, just in terms of like the gameplay and like getting through each world. And it's just like, it can be exhausting, just like the mechanics of the game are exhausting. And then you're finally given these like cathartic releases of these characters that you've had for so long. And you're just forced right back into like a really intense boss fight. And you've got like three people in front of you and you're just like knocking them out one by one. (laughs) And it's like, you're like, I want to process this. I want to have time to process it. And you're just like thrust back in it. And I think that's, like, I mean, you can read that as, like, a, a, a metaphor of sorts of, like, just, you know, sometimes you don't get the time. Like, sometimes yeah. you're just, like, I I think that's probably deeper than they were. In- yeah, I think what they did, were like, <laughs> oh, shit, we got to put the game in here. Yeah. We got to, there's, there's literally a moment where characters show up on screen and yes. they're, like. Uh, sorry, we were, was they like we had to take care of some loose, like some some plot holes. Yeah, basically, Al- right? Axel runs in with Shion and Roxas and is like, "Sorry, we're late. Had to tie up some some loose plot plot holes at the end there." It's very good. And then and then they just came, and like nothing else. <laughs> so um, I I'm gonna complicate this a little bit. Okay. With the longest email, you know what? Let's take a break and we yes. get back. I'm gonna read the longest email we got. One from from our friend Tom. Uh, so BRB. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. 
I have a question here that's going to complicate this extremely, extremely a lot because Can't it's wait. detail that I didn't know about the world or that I didn't think about, I guess. This comes in from Tom. Is this about... What? Is this about the thing? Is this about the one game? The thing. Yeah, it's about the one game. Oh, Are you reading this whole thing? The one I'm game. Gonna. It deserves okay. it. This is going to be here for another two and a half hours. We're going to read the whole thing. Uh, hey, fr- team. First, I'm not going to read it from up there. I'm reading it from down. First, I want to go back to recoded because of the whole data clone idea. Because the whole data clone idea is just completely off the charts wild. They need to read an encrypted book. God. So... Mickey, so this is recoded. This is the one where Sora's a hacker, which I didn't. Riku's a hacker. Uh, Riku is here. Mickey, Riku's here, <laughs> and then Riku shows up. Uh huh. Um, they need to read an encrypted book. So Mickey and company decide the easiest way to do that is to create a fully sapient data copy of their friend Sora within the system, mm-hmm. and then give him guidance on how to fix shit. They just do it, and it happens. Natalie. But this data copy of Sora. Oh wait, actually, they're going to talk about it right now. Sorry, I'm they doing do- a Kato. Uh huh. They- wow! <laughs> Shots! Oh, shot. They just do it, and it happens, and he's there with no memory. But following the disembodied, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's probably not no memory. But following the disembodied voice of a corporate mascot through the corrupted data of the journal entries from the first game, Natalie. But. Because I think, okay, maybe I'll wait till it's over. It's beyond the pale even for Kingdom Hearts, but the question it raises about ideas of identity and hearts are even more mind-boggling. Take this scene. I'm not going to click to these scenes. Take this scene here, which is a, a scene from a video in this game. I'm looking at it. Okay, you can bring it up if you want to. Kingdom Hearts recoded all HD, all cutscenes, full movie. It is the it is minute mark. It's one hour, 16 minutes, 40 seconds through one hour, 24 minutes. Uh, Data Sora is chasing after Pete and the real, quote unquote, Donald and Goofy, who were pulled into the simulation, are not Data not Data Donald, Data Goofy. Catch me on Twitter at Data Donald. Uh, I'm not, that's not true. Uh, have gone after him, after Sora, sorry, hmm, yes, have gone after Data Sora to help because his simulated Keyblade was destroyed. It was just a copy, not the actual Keyblade, which is bound to the real Sora's heart, so it could be shattered. You can't shatter a real Keyblade. Uh, if you do, you die. You lose your heart. A word? I think so. Yeah, that sounds... I feel like I've seen a Keyblade explode, but I cannot... Rem- I don't know if that's just a fake memory I right. thought up because it sounds cool. <laughs> Their interactions <laughs> real show... Right, yes. yeah. Their interactions show that while Datasaur has no memories of the other two, Goofy or Donald, he still, quote, feels like they're friends because his original self adventured with them. Which is again where I was like, oh, there's this again, this echo of a memory, right? In the insure, in the ensuing showdown, Pete traps Donald and Goofy and mocks them for quote risking their nets for a lump necks for a lump of data. They tell him to shut up. Shut and the fuck up, Pete. Sora's our friend, no matter what. <laughs> and Data Sora isn't an empty shell because quote we've all got Sora's heart right here inside of us. Please note, nothing has happened to the real Sora at this time. He is just busy elsewhere. Data Sora awakens his heart, summons a real Keyblade, and saves the day. There are a few important concepts here, says Tom. First, the notion that in Kingdom Hearts, the heart is collective and systemic. Previous games in the series dealt with the notions that hearts can be connected and bound together, can reside within one another, and can be broken apart. But this is the first explicit instance of others' hearts essentially manifesting a heart within a third party. 
hearts can spring into existence or perhaps bloom into their full power. See Dream Drop, Drop Distance discussion below via the actions and recognition of others. Second, and this is maybe shown elsewhere with Xehanort, identity is not unique. And I'm going to asterisk this because I'm not sure if I believe this. Real Sora and Data Sora both exist simultaneously and have similar personalities and impulses, in part because one was derived from the other, which is not which is also not necessarily true because it's he was derived from Donald and Goofy's impression, car, hearts, hmm, they're... I get. I don't know. We don't. I'm gonna keep they reading, and we'll discuss this. Yeah. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say they summon Sora's heart. Sora's no, they like Sora's like their memory likeness, of Sora. Their memory of Sora to to. But they don't fucking know about Sora eating pow pow fruit. Maybe they talked about it on the gummy ship. Those <laughs> were some long there. Trips. They don't know what that was like. Yeah. True. They ain't, they ain't been on Destiny Island. Not yeah, yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, Maybe. Anyway. Uh. uh da, da, da. It's also implied that Donald and Goofy see them, the Sora and the Data Sora, as the same person. This is terrifying for multiple reasons, <laughs> not least because it suggests that given the right circumstances, others could be manifesting copies of you elsewhere if they were sufficiently deluded or determined into believing they saw you in someone or something else, right? Because Data Sora exists. Data Sora is a person. In my mind. Yes, I agree. Unless we're saying Data mm -hmm. Sora is not a person and is an animal or is a, 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 a tree or a robot that it doesn't have person, that he doesn't have personhood. But I suspect he has personhood. No, but his his connection with Donald and Goofy is not just based on survival. It is based on... A genuine. A genuine... And not to but say I mean, that... But the question is like, is it genuine? Or are they wrong and this is just a, a collection of ones and zeros? But Sora is the one that is saying like... I don't know them, but I I think it's like who Sora is. Whenever Sora meets someone, right, Sora becomes their friend. He's like his first inclination is to make friends, to introduce himself, to uh, trust in them and believe them. And what a naive boy. What a naive boy. But mm -hmm. so I think that there's something there in the fact that Sora's not like Sora doesn't know them and still is like I I want to be friends with these right. people like regardless of the survival situation at stake like it is not just i need you to protect me right this was not a utilitarian yeah. this was not transactional exactly i will be your friend if you say i will be literally your friend <laughs> the one that you miss uh i will continue presumably the copies wouldn't have your memory so if someone else was like the, the question that tom is saying is like if the two of us were like oh patrick is here and pointed at kato and believed it enough in the kingdom hearts <laughs> world <laughs> Would that would Kato turn into Patrick? Or I, if we pointed at this microphone <laughs> and said, <laughs> I think if we believed it, which goes back to what you're saying thing, about belief. But the base, they're, they're working from a baseline that is made up of uh, actions that Sora took. Right, because mm -hmm. because the, the the because the code Sora is made up of Sora's memory, or no, not Sora's the, memory. The the the. the the um, writings of Jimmy, Jimmy Crickets. Crickets. But that's still a third party L diary. L yeah, yeah. So, so it's still, so literally, right. it is three perspectives. Yeah. Michael. I was going to say, like, if if you had um, a Patrick chatbot. Mm -hmm. There you go. And just kept insisting that it was actually Patrick. Right. But that Patrick chatbot was made up of transcripts, not even transcripts, of episode summaries of Waypoint Radio. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. 
that yeah. would be yeah that would be written, by written by Jiminy Cricket written by Jiminy Cricket who runs That's our fan key. wiki shout outs to the whole team Jiminy Cricket's there Yen Sid it's the whole squad um, you already know you gotta get that special book it has all the extra shit yeah I'm gonna continue the book of power yeah the, thank you the book of power 100 acre woods the sphere grid um <laughs> Presumably, the copies won't have your memories, but they might feel like they do. At least that's apparently what might have happened with Replica Riku. It's chaos out here. <laughs> Finally, this ties into the first point, quote, or, uh, and this is bolded. Even seemingly empty constructs like data people can manifest a heart through contact with other hearts. This comes up more below in Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm not dwelling any more uh, on Recoded for now because it scares me. Uh, Natalie. There's too many questions, so we need to break it down. I want to read the whole thing, and then we're gonna go. Then I'm gonna bold, and we'll walk through the bolts. Fuck. I want to hold all of the questions together in our brains so that we can uh, use them to okay, build. Let me write a, a down lattice. my first answer. For people at home, we're at the halfway point. Next, I'm gonna talk about Dream Drop <laughs> Distance and some other wild stuff. There. Listen, here's what I'm gonna say. Tom was the only one who sent in one of these. The only person who sent one like, and also Tom sent it in like three weeks ago. So I'm like <laughs> repping the set. So mm -hmm. in Recoded, the game talked about empty shells, quote unquote, being able to have hearts. And this probably reminds you of some of the discussions about nobodies in Kingdom Hearts 2. It's so sweet of Tom to think I remember anything about Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> nobodies, we are told, are bodies with no hearts. This is what the nobodies believe. And this is what Xemnas has told them. But Roxas seems like a cool enough dude, and he's not just Sora. Do they really have no hearts? And then there's a, another link out to Kingdom Hearts video. Xemnas and Zigbar, who is properly norted now, <laughs> acknowledge that while a body can be made to lose itself, its sense of self, and therefore its heart, the body will try to grow a new one. I'm going to say that again. Xemnas and Zigbar acknowledge that while a body can be made to lose its sense of self, someone can take that sense of self away from you, uh, and therefore its heart away from you, the body will grow a new one. Just a body will grow a new one. I guess probably a body and a soul because a soul is the will. And we know this again with Shion. Yeah. Nobodies have hearts. They are just new and weak when they are first formed. Their lack of a heart was a lie Zemnis told them to keep them hopeless and isolated. Shit. So he could move easily, so he could more easily take them over before their hearts gained strength. Side note, this scene in the link below also countered the idea raised in the last lore reasons that Sora is a Harry Potter style chosen one. He's explicitly not chosen, but he managed to pick up the banner and carry it forward because he wants to help. What a naive boy. More of a Frodo. More of a fr Thank you. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Fucking high five. Look at the speed, the reaction time. Unbelievable. Thank you. So basically, quote. I've never seen Lord of the Rings. Have you read it? No. Okay. <laughs> so basically, everyone with a sense of identity has a heart. And the heart is equated to one's sense of self. One's sense of self can be shaped by others, strengthened or kept weak or even broken. Heart is self, but self is non-unitary. Finally, at the end of Dream Drop Distance, we get this scene here. Another link, 226 of Dream Drop Distance. I'm not going to... It's fine. Which is, for my money, the best scene in the whole series. Riku journeying into Sora's heart to wake him up after rescuing him nearly getting, from nearly getting norted meets Ansem the Wise. Well, a data copy of him in there. Mm -hmm. Ansem, who has researched the heart more than anyone, essentially explains the above. The heart naturally grows as we experience life and can be shaped 
by others. Moreover, hearts exist everywhere in the world around us and only need to be seen and acknowledged to become real. Panpsychism. Heart- yeah, I was going to say panpsychism. You wanna, yep. what, okay, we'll, we'll explain that in like, um, yeah, I'm almost done. And then we're going to go to panpsychism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seeing mm-hmm. the world with a childlike perspective can bring anything to a sort of life from the dancing leaves in the wind to our favorite toys. This is also, of course, touch on my toy story and Baymax, blah, 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 to a computer simulated copy of oneself, I guess. Sora's special talent, the thing that let him become human without destroying Roxas, is simply that he has always maintained this childlike optimistic wonder and willingness to believe in others. Again, Natalie, yes. Thank you. This is why he was able to reach out and help Ventus when he was nearly lost and why so many hearts can exist inside of him. I want to know where that special power came from. Because we never met his parents. So those, I don't know what his childhood was like. So those, it's like an early, it seems like a big skill to develop early. So those are the key concepts I wanted to mention because I think they help really establish the settings, ideas, and notions of the heart and self and memory and identity and body and how they interact. It's definitely a whole bunch of messy bullshit throughout the vast majority of it, but there's enough going on to make for some discussion at least. Sure is. Plus it's anime as hell, anime as hell, and thank you for doing this basically. Thank you, Tom. I'm just going to read the bolded parts and then we're going to go to panpsychism. Because there's like bolded, like big picture things. Here are the things that Tom has ID'd. The heart is collective and systemic. Yes. Identity is not unique. No. I think no also. Uh, even seemingly empty constructs like data people can manifest a heart through contact with other hearts. Kind of. I think yes. yes. And also, as he continues, even without, maybe not without. Maybe it would never develop in a vacuum without contact with other hearts. Well, I have contact with other hearts, I think. How does, how does she on, would would she on ever develop a heart? How does Zemnis travel? You know, I don't know this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Come the fuck on, Natalie. (laughs) Zemnis travels or Xehanort travels through time. Yeah. Based on where his heart has been. Yeah. In the past. Mm -hmm. In the past. IMO. So who's that? Me. Okay. IMO, when uh, 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 D. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> when we should do a video podcast, honestly. We honestly so should because we're really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, when fucking uh, Datasora, his heart shows up to summon his Datasaurus. That's my favorite robot dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Okay. When Datasora. When Datasora. Riku is there. Riku is there. Uh, when the Keyblade shows up. Um, <laughs> when fucking Datasora summons the Keyblade, I believe it is his heart traveling, following the light of Donald and Goofy to show up there. That's my IMO. I, I can don't think so. Okay, fine. I thought about it earlier, but now then you got to the end of this, and then I didn't believe it anymore. So I just wanted to say right. it. I'm gonna start, start at the top. I thought over about it for can... like the first half, and I wanted all to right. just like first. I want to go back to recode. I'll just read the okay. whole thing again. That way we're all. Oh no! Right, no, please no, don't. Cool, cool. All right, I'll do it this time. <laughs> <laughs> the heart is collective, system, collective and systemic. Identity is not unique. Even seemingly empty constructs like data people can manifest a heart through contact with other hearts. Uh, the the asterisk there is that I don't know that data store is an empty construct, and I don't know that uh, empty bodies could 
build hearts without some sort of contact with another heart at some point. We're not. No, those Dinosaur are, is made of stuff that Hearts is made of. He's right. made of memories. Right. He's That's made of actions. Yes. He's made of connections to other people. He's not the opposite empty, of whatever this is. Not yeah. an empty construct. I don't know who an yeah. empty construct is. A replica. But like a replica. A, but but they, a replica but is a re- they put things the word, in the replica. The yeah. word replica mm-hmm. indicates that it's relational. Yeah. Yes, but uh, if you look no, at what a replica looks like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. it does. Look it's at like a, a mannequin. Look at a replica without a bo- without a like a being over it. Right, but can that no? Repli- but that's can still that a relation. That's a relation to a human body. That's a relation. That's fair. It's not stuff. They it's are a- specifically a replica, as is shown in a very weird cutscene at the end of Kingdom Hearts Three, like. <laughs> Souls fire hearts fly in and out of those things all day long. They're just zipping in and out. And yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> so we do get a shot, a couple shots of there just being a mannequin thing on with the floor. N- no heart in it. Mm. Yeah. And that is a construct. That's fair. You know okay. I mean? Um the but I'm saying even that construct is, re- is a representation of a particular thing, which is a human body. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Anyway, that's fair. Um, I concede. Even even seemingly empty mm-hmm. constructs, but quest, but like I don't think there are such things as seemingly empty constructs. Constructs carry meaning uh, in this world. Nobody's mm-hmm. another one. Nobody's have hearts. They're just new and weak hearts when they're first formed. I think we're all in agreement there. Yes. Yes. Everyone. This is where I, this is like this is gets to this question of like personhood. Everyone with a sense of identity has a heart. Mm. But okay. Mm. I'm what here. is what is identity? It's in this case, Tom is arguing sense of self. It is it is and like this is a very particular vision of identity and and humanness, right? Which is it is the mind knowing the mind, right? Right. It's it's hey, the it's the rational soul. Yeah. What if? Okay. Yes, yeah. Kato. We've been talking about this. Hearts in the past have been created. In people, yeah, in bodies with souls, yeah, through lived experience, essentially, by creating new memories, you make a new heart. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess so. If you, if you don't already have one, yeah, if you don't right. already have one, and if you have one, it grows. It, it, it grows. It grows. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't the lingering will ever make a? Because the because the lingering will is not. It's a body and a soul. I agree with you. I suspect what we're getting at here mm-hmm. is like an anthropocentric biological determinism of, of what a body is. Right. Also, mm-hmm. lingering will is a placeholder. In what way? In the sense that lingering will is the form that Tara assumes while in 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 one sense, because his uh vindic like his his Will is so incredibly strong to save his friends yeah. that it it literally uh, assumes the or possesses the the suit of armor, but mm-hmm. also that's not where like I I believe that Tara intends on returning to Tara's body. Hey, right. pause! Y'all are out of your fucking minds. You never play as lingering will. Are you? Are you? Wait, really? Of course you do. When? I said earlier at the end of Birth by Sleep as oh, Tara, fuck. you become lingering will and fight Tara Nort. Shit! That's what that. Mm, oh. I swear, y'all made. <laughs> 
God damn oh it. I'm God. So, I'm I never said anything. No, uh, it, was, yo, it was true. Check the record. <laughs> Maybe I'm Please wrong. go back and check the record. But please. I honestly don't remember so if I said it. I was totally I was, wrong. I, who? I'm I pretty said, sure it was just Kato, but <laughs> let's check the record. All right. <laughs> go to tape. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So I'm, I'm going to say by, by reading, just reading through uh, the actual order of operations here. Yes. I think lingering will is a soul. It is attached a soul. to a suit of armor. That's correct. none of the other stuff. I right. think that's okay. we, we agree but with that. Isn't the suit of armor a body? We're saying I'm thinking in this world. No. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, and I think you want to say yes. I, as a person, mm-hmm. want to say that any that if desire is placed in a, as a as a philosopher as like a thinker <laughs> as a human mm. as a as a person who has ethics yes. what my ethics say is that if a mind if desire is placed if desire acts yes. personhood is happening or at least a, a body is happening a, yeah. a be, being mm. is happening being is happening when will performs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not and when in it's, Kingdom Hearts world that that's not true but in Kingdom Hearts that's not true right yeah because um, otherwise lingering will would have. Eventually develop develops its own heart. But also, what happened? Lingering, what, where's lingering will at the end of King Hearts three? On lingering, like basically, MC. yeah. Because but does it ever like fall apart? No, no but the, because like it, it only appears like it. It is uh, the the armor tied to Terra's keyblade. Oh, this is a moment that I really wanted you to watch about. That's the one I was talking about earlier about Kingdom Hearts three. I was like, uh-huh. yo, you really got to watch this cutscene. We'll talk about it during our actual Kingdom Hearts three yes. thing. I don't want to. It's a lingering yeah, it's cool. will thing. Okay, I it's like lingering really will tight. a lot. Okay, okay, but like lingering yeah, will I, disappears in Kingdom Hearts three in some way. No, I mean it solves the problem without getting too okay. too far into it. The, okay, the all these different elements do recombine in a cool way. I see. Gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. so the. But yeah, so I think I think in this way I'm I'm taking a knock on Kingdom Hearts and saying, "Fuck you! I want a robot body to be able to develop a, a heart." Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Or it's saying again, like uh, 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 some some Neoplatonists or like Descartes. Oh, there's a special thing in a human body or in a replica body, I guess, uh, a special valve or a gland <laughs> or something that connects <laughs> yeah. us to the realm of hearts, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, right. Except that, what is she? She on is a replica. You yeah. don't have anything else. There's no other physical things that minds go into ever. And, and this is also why replicas are so hard to make. Okay. Everyone, I mean, because they can contain they, hearts. I mean, no, just the number of need... times that we cut to people being like, "I'm real bad at it, but I'm trying to be good." <laughs> I'm, but you also I'm need experiments. A, you need a body, which I think is one of the hardest parts. Is is finding a body that can is, that can take on. Well, someone that's, else. That's the replica. That's what there's, yeah, that's they're, the they're creating from scratch. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the replica. Like the, as doll, like the doll. The mannequin, basically. That is. I thought. I didn't realize uh-huh. that you made the body. Yeah, that's why it looks I like thought a weird. The body. You thought you found them? I don't know what I thought. <laughs> they like, they're like, oh, yeah, that's why hair swoop guy, purple hair swoop. That's what he's yelling about <laughs> every time you talk to him in Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. Yenzo. I'm getting my experiments. Yenzo oh, doesn't have purple hair. It's blue. No, whatever his name is. <laughs> Some dude who used to be a nobody. I don't know anyone's name in these games. Zexion. I don't think it's... Is it Zexion? That was no, his nobody name. Oh. Right? Kato? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Don't, nobody has to look yeah. it up. Kato said it was right. <laughs> well, I'm looking up his... Uh, well, Kato, you know what? Kato you said a lot of things today, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I don't trust myself. Yeah, okay. Yenzo. 
Ever. Yeah. He's got Ianzo. the purple swoopy hair. And so here's the oh, yeah, from Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I made that joke today. Uh, everyone with a sense of identity has a heart. And so here's the thing. Lingering Will may not have a sense of identity. Lingering Will may be Will without identity. In the in the self that knows a, knows itself sense, it may be an enraged will. It may be a, a will which I I think what stumbles here. Like I don't know how to how to work with this. Uh huh. Anyway, heart is self, but self is non unitary. Which yes, um, we're almost at the thing that I want you to explain to me. Uh-huh. Hearts exist everywhere in the world around us and only need to be seen and acknowledged to become real. What? What's what is this? Y'all had a name sounds for it. Like, sounds like panpsychism to me. Yeah. Do you want to explain what panpsychism is? Uh, that all material in the universe has sentience and or sapience, or some other type of. I believe that. Is it yeah. really just those two? Okay. It's not just those two, but that's kind of where the like. If you read current panpsychists like Stephen Shaviro, he's going to say. A is going to say those are not useful. Uh, or if you read like Whitehead. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the idea that everything in the universe has some form of consciousness. And, we, and there are a million different ways of qualifying that. Right. But, so here's yeah. the thing that I think is worth saying briefly is like one of the things that you get as a scholar in any of these fields is it's amazing. Is you'll be 19 and you'll go into a classroom and you'll sit down and someone will be like, all right, today we're going to talk about these people who believe that everything in the universe has consciousness. And what is amazing is you don't leave that room despite living in a world of ideology that has taught you exactly what consciousness is already. And you are told never to have a broader idea of what that is or to think about what sapience is separate from sentience or the idea that things that do not get lunch with you might have those things, let alone (laughs) an even simpler one to think about types of minds that are readily apparent to us all around us that we do not uh, count count as as living things that are worth thinking about, like animals or plants or and I guess plants don't have brains and we wouldn't traditionally say that, but plants certainly respond to stimuli and do all of these things that other living things do, and yet we very quickly categorize them and animals and bacteria and a million other things as like no, we no 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 no. So I was saying that for listeners who are like, well, this is obviously bullshit. And whether or not uh, Cameron and Michael believe in it, I am curious to have you explain what the fuck it means in a way that is like open and curious. Natalie. First, can you spell it? Because I keep trying to look it up, but (laughs) I can't find it. And the only thing I get is P-A-N-S and then I get pansexual or then I go Mm -hmm. P-A-N-C and then I get pancake. So. Yo, can we get pancake? Hell yeah. (laughs) Okay. P-A-N. P-S-Y. There you go. C H. Uh huh. I see. Are you I, figuring out? I S M. I think she's. You got spelled it. it wrong. I I was reading. Okay, never mind. You spelled it right. Okay. <laughs> we have fun. Wait, no, you did spell it wrong. Okay. No, you didn't. I accept my flaws. <sighs> no, you didn't. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Well, I just read what Michael typed in the chat. <laughs> credit where credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I spelled it wrong. I put it in a C where there shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, anyway, yeah, it's a thing. People, it used to be a thing or, well, people have thought this for a long time in, for, in a lot of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. and only 
in, in the past hundred years or so, um, in philosophy, has it really been a thing? Michael, do you think that's fair? Yeah, no, I would say, I mean, you already mentioned Whitehead. Um, this is Alfred North Whitehead, who was kind of, I would say, uh, one of the people who's, who, who sort of founds the modern version of, of panpsychism um, in philosophy. Uh, I think you're probably the more knowledgeable one of, of the two of us in this regard. Um, but yeah, no, I think that is like, that's where I would, that's where I would date it. And then, um, we've seen it especially sort of kick up recently. You mentioned Stephen Shaviro. Um, a lot of thinkers who are in this tradition are very concerned about environment. Mm -hmm. Um, and currently it obviously like climate ecology, uh, things like that. Basically, um, thinking of systems, uh, that operate in the world as sort of forms of intelligence that are not necessarily human intelligence, right? But um, uh, if we think of human intelligence as as this kind of epiphenomenon, right, as uh, a, a thing that happens when sufficiently complicated systems of material uh, interaction kind of mm-hmm. coagulate into this body that we decide to call a person. Which is to say there is, consciousness, no, there is no necessarily... The thing that we call consciousness is secondary to the arrangement of things that produces consciousness. It's an emergent property. Right. I'm sorry. I wasn't um, interrupting. I was just trying to define that for people briefly. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, if, if this is, if this is how we think of human consciousness, um, then perhaps what is happening all around us is other types of consciousness that are not like necessarily sort of human subjectivity kind of consciousness. It's not like necessarily animism, but like there is some sort of um, intelligence that might be occurring within these systems, right? The the intelligence is, is a symptom or epiphenomenon of the system. It emerges from them rather than being a kind of uh, truth, a true kernel around which everything else kind of forms. So for instance, when we think of minds, we think of minds as making choices, right? Uh, I got a, what did I get? I got a, a chicken sandwich for lunch today, oh. for instance. That was a good, uh. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had a good lunch. I was like, yeah. wait, did we Because I, I was thinking <laughs> about the mac and delicious. cheese. That I got, mac and cheese which is was real really good. fucking We good. always steal Natalie's mac and cheese. We don't steal I it. I can never finish it. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, we're like, oh, we'll finish it. And it's great. It's <laughs> our version of the sea salt uh, ice cream. It <laughs> is. The mac and cheese. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, we sit on a rooftop. It's great. Um, <laughs> we're actually like in a basement when we actually. Welcome to Brooklyn. The I chose to order that chicken sandwich. But if we understand thought to be, if we understand my thought, I would like a chicken sandwich to be the result of preferences that are themselves defined by history and biology and uh, sort of unconscious desire by availability, um, by all the various, by the price of the chicken. Like if we understand it, and I'm now getting into like actor network shit more of honestly, but if we understand choice in that way where we de-emphasize free will in the traditional model of free will Mm -hmm. and understand it, uh, you know, on the, the kind of light side as being influenced and at the heavy sides being determined or non-existent, then certainly you can start thinking of preferences and desire in a, in a, uh, in a, uh, almost a physical sense. Mm-hmm. The plant desires to be closer to the sunlight and to reach mm-hmm. out to where water is. It, it, or it has preference for those things. I think we're I think we're probably all comfortable saying that it like it would prefer to be in the sunlight than in the dark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
right. or something like that. It, it, it lives better. It, it, we can see it. Per, it, it um, effort is, is, uh, is, what's the word I want? Consumed effort is made to get it closer to those things. It grows naturally in those directions. And so it exists on the same, like, poles of being as I do, maybe just in wildly different ways. Is yeah. that a fair way of explaining this? I'm not saying this is right. I I'm think just, it uh, is. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad that we were like, I'm glad that we <laughs> went from like, like, how do you spell right. this? To like, yeah, this is true. No, I mean, this is, yeah. this is like legit the way I think about things. Yeah. Like it is mm-hmm. like just like, the, the, the fact that other objects and things have sentience and feeling and like, I, I imagine plants as like when you say like moving towards the side, like it feels it's not just like survival. It like there's it feels good. Like there's like a feeling there. Mm-hmm. I don't like I don't personally understand it because I like haven't been able to like communicate, right. you know, whatever. But I'm I, not even sure if this is saying that it does feel good. But desire. Right. It, it des- desires. But we should talk I'm, to people who know what it means. Yeah, you should tell Michael us. Michael is staring at us like a professor does. <laughs> I've, done, I've given that look to groups right. as I walk through the class. Like, how's your group assignment going? And I hear this argument happening and I go, oh, that's, yeah, uh-huh, smile. Interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> Please continue. Um, Wait, I didn't do the reading, though. <laughs> that's right. No, no, you got to do the reading. Come you got to do the reading. Yeah. You're, you just apply yourself. You always raise your hand in class and say smart things, but you don't do the reading. I know. Yeah, I can <laughs> tell you're like, doing the reading in the first 10 minutes. Just do it the 10 minutes before you get here. <laughs> um. Wow, huge mood. Uh, too real. Uh-huh. Too real. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think the way you're going about this is, is essentially right. Um, that uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm very pleased that we like welcome welcome to lore reasons we've made Natalie a panpsychist. Uh, <laughs> I think she was already a panpsychist. Yeah. She just now right. has a word. She, she now yeah. has the word. Um, yeah. So I mean that that is like the the plant example is is a really good one that uh, the plant uh, has a tendency like the plant the has various needs word. that it right it 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 yes Natalie. <laughs> Plants have memories. Yeah. IMO. They do. Yeah. Again, when we understand memory as being broad and not just being uh, like a photographic or like I can visual conceive of a visual. Right, yes. right, right. Uh, uh, a memory is um, the the tightness of a spring mm-hmm. is a memory. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Does right. that make sense? So like, I agree. Yeah. Right. So a plant isn't necessarily think like a plant is not thinking necessarily in the way that you and I think. Right. It doesn't necessarily have subjectivity or a mind. Um, but like the the panpsychic uh, in the like from the perspective of panpsychism, um, we would say like like the, the the plant would definitely rather have water than not have right. water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it would. uh move toward those things it would uh desire those things um and i think sort of to bring this back to kingdom hearts yes yeah <laughs> please that would be a good um, i don't know what that is i've never met um, her kingdom hearts is a video game franchise <laughs> created by tetsuya nomura um, <laughs> the, welcome to lori's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so bringing this back to kingdom hearts right the the idea that um hearts so the, the way that Tom has put it in the question and I'm reading here, hearts exist everywhere in the world around us and only need to be seen and acknowledged to become real. Um, to pick up a word that Austin defined earlier, uh, 
we would say that hearts are essentially an emergent phenomenon. Right. Uh, that uh, if if sort of the the situation comes together in precisely the right way, then this copy of Sora, this data Sora can grow a heart and become a, a version of Sora. Which for me fucking saves me. Right. Because suddenly I have the, the mechanism for the creation of hearts. And as a heartless, I need no as a nobody. I need no uh, as someone who's concerned with existence and, and essence, as someone who has been frustrated as a mm-hmm. fan, as a emerging fan, as an emergent fan of Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. um, with this idea of the eternal soul mm-hmm. being core to this thing, good and evil, like Xehanort Ze- is, is when when Xehanort goes into Terra, he loses his will uh, or he loses his memories, but he retains this desire to create or to, you know, uh, investigate the darkness. Does this mean mm-hmm. that there is something in the, in the heart that is eternal and eternally uh, evil or eternally dark? Um, uh, that has been a problem for me for a long time. And so finding this mechanism by which hearts are emergent properties are things that do grow and change mm-hmm. are not, do not come preloaded with selfhood. It lets me better enjoy the work. Even if, even if no more would sit in this room and be like, no, that's not, no hearts are good and evil. Obviously there's a good heart and an evil <laughs> heart, which I don't think you would do, but like having this, this flow chart in mm-hmm. my mind, lets me give myself to the work more. You had a question or a comment. Well, here's my problem with this is all like a lot of the, like a lot of the things that we've talked about so far, formations of identity, hearts, you know, whatever are, are very relational and they're very dependent on the relational. And what if you don't have right? This is what I was saying before about Shion. Yeah, I want Shion to be a person, even if she doesn't get to have ice cream with people. Yeah, and that's what, like in real, like. Oh, okay. Wait. Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 Yo, is Kingdom Hearts a fucking cop? All right. Is (gasps) Kingdom Hearts saying (laughs) that selfhood? is reliant on appellation on being recognized and identified by society and therefore the acceptance of a societally produced uh, and and we know what society is. We know how identities are produced mm-hmm. in society and policed mm-hmm. and disciplined. Uh, we don't need to get into that. Obviously, <laughs> we don't have the time <laughs> to get into that. Honestly, but we. I think like in this room on this podcast, I think it is fair for everyone to quickly it's agree that like identity is policed. Identity is is uh, assigned um, mm-hmm. and. And even even marginalized identities, I mean, especially marginalized identities are policed and uh, are are disciplined and mm-hmm. are tried to fit into boxes and blah, blah, blah. But even inside of, of marginalized communities, mm-hmm. even inside of a space that is itself policed, policing continues to happen. And because identity is intersectional, this happens across. Like, one of the things we don't, have to get, we don't have time to get to today is like Kingdom Hearts kind of hates women. Like, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Kyrie barely exists in Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, uh, it. It very rarely. And when she does, it's a bad time. And when she does, it's a bad time. And yeah. like as agents, they are not often given the spotlight. Yeah. Um, there are exceptions, obviously, but like by and large, what we're talking about is. A- Let's think about it. Kyrie never there, or if she is, she's getting stolen. Right. Her existence is absent. Nomine is a nobody. Right. But also, nobodies are chill. So nobodies can not- be people. Nobodies are people. But also, wait, is she a nobody? Yes, yeah, she's. A- I thought she was a witch. 
She's a nobody, but they call her a witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Shion is a replica, and who's the Aqua? Her whole fucking existence is taking orders from Ericus right. and and protecting Terra and Ven. Right. She's never acting for herself. No, but like, none oh. of these characters are. are any, Shion is the closest one, and it's still dependent on a rela- right. in, on relations with Men. two male characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like n- mm-hmm. most of these, gr- and most her of memories these- being made up of Sora's, even like, right. Whereas, whereas masculine characters in the story are interested in the light and darkness, are are purveyors of magic, are ex are writing journals about the world, are like doing yeah. So and also splitting themselves into thirteen different people and traveling <laughs> and, through time. But that's right. the other thing about the cop thing right. is the fact that at the end of Kingdom Hearts three, Xehanort gets to fucking beam up to the sky <laughs> yeah. with Ericus, yeah. his old bud, his and old that bud. was just like Xehanort yeah. has been Xehanort. First of all, just murdered Kyrie like five minutes ago, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's just getting beat like. And like Vanitas even is someone who was like Vanitas was being used as a tool in in, like, but he gets fucking got. He doesn't get to beam up. No. (laughs) Right. There are lots of people who did bad things, but like they're what they did, what they're what they did uh, that you don't like. They did out of particular reasons that are not traceable to like weird intellectual curiosity. But it's weird how like everyone has moments of retribution and, and like of reconciliation is the one is the mm. word I'm looking for. Like all of the organization 13 members in their last they moments their are like, are like, it's a confession. It's like yeah, literally yeah, yeah. a confessional. And then you mm-hmm. think about like this, like abs, like they're being absolved almost like, mm-hmm. like uh, Sora is fucking a priest and is like, I hear your sins. You're good to go. <laughs> Again, like, the Ezio Assassin's Creed two comparison is appropriate mm-hmm. where he's like, ah, oh, tell me about, your, yeah. Why you? Why we should play Assassin's Creed too? Okay, cool. let's play it. Um, um, but yeah, so that's like that's the thing I'm thinking about is the fact that you know Assassin's Sora, Creed would be a good lore reasons. I hadn't thought about it. Oh anyway, shit! Sora oh, is uh uh like almost this. He he has such uh, a childlike belief yeah. in the light and goodness of people, and there are bad people in this world that are are basically forgiven and also not just forgiven but for whom justice is not justice by which i mean the um recognition of their wrongdoing recognition of the end and a right setting yeah he does not go like and also let me bring Kyrie back real quick yeah and like and also here are the ways in which i can help the, the people who i've harmed over the course yeah. of my long life yeah. like there is no uh, there's reconciliation, but there's no justice, and there's no. no, and that's the only ones I will say are like Ienzo is a good example because Ienzo, but that's only after being changed from a nobody and then awakening back into his old self, and so that's not even like is that the same person? Was right. Zexion the same person as Ienzo? No, they're like different, right? This, what we're getting at is like well, the ethics of Kingdom Hearts are maybe a little e- harder to swallow. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think something that's going on with that too, right, has to do with the entire apparatus that we just constructed around hearts. I think that partially the the apprentices who become Organization 13, and there are all these ones that we see throughout Kingdom Hearts, or up to Kingdom Hearts 2, they have tiny little small baby hearts that are just being born, and the relationship that they are in is this horrible 
top-down, organizational, brutal one. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I I mean, I think that that says something, at least to the credit of the theory, about the quality of the heart has something to do with the relations that you have. Um, so that in, in those particular instances, I think it's, it's at least interesting and, and worth thinking about, but Xehanort, uh, what you're talking about at the very end, Natalie, what mm-hmm. I find so interesting about that is that the game in its final moments kicks out to like Manichaean, you know, all ever, or, or like a pre Manichaean idea or a pre, um, a theological model in mm-hmm. which there is the one, this absolute unity. And what happens is that you find out that Ericus and Xehanort are playing this like decades long chess game yeah. that is literally, you know, mm-hmm. metaphorized as a chess game kind of uh, clumsily. Mm-hmm. But, but <laughs> they're but, friends. But, yes. But that's the thing. It's not that they're friends. It's that whatever happened does not matter. Right. Right. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, these two people are godlike in their power and their ability and their way of thinking. And so this was all just pieces on a on, on a board shuffling around and that life, all of the lives, all these emotional moments that happen from point A to point B or point Z all the way at the end. None of that mattered, even a little bit. Um, as far as like the big mechanism of the universe is concerned, mm-hmm. it mattered because of the emotions you felt. Yeah. But, you know, it's almost like Nomura specifically saying, look, I know you had a lot of feelings, but look, and, you know, if those were good, I guess, but I'm just having a good time over here. These are my, these are my GI Joes. Right. And they're really <laughs> cool. Um, and guess what? There's one coming. There's a new one coming. Right. Yeah, we're going to keep playing it's, forever. Yes. You know, always be another like, one. We're just going to keep doing it. There's already a VR game that now I need to. Is that just not like a VR mode inside of that game? I don't fucking know. I haven't even. VR experience. I don't know. I think the VR experience is just pieces of this game that were put into another. That makes sense. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm going to read one more thing. We don't have a lot of time to deal with it, but I do want to like give some keywords here because I feel like if we don't say the word dialectics or dialectical (laughs) materialism or Mm, people are going to get mad. People get mad. Dante. I teased it on Twitter. Dante Douglas says, so a big thing, shout out to Dante. uh, Mm -hmm. A big thing in Kingdom Hearts is the theme of conflict bringing about creation. We see this primarily through Xehanort's quest to start another Keyblade War to recreate the Keyblade, key, the letter. Uh, but I think you could argue that it reoccurs through the idea of nobodies and heartless, through the initial split of Kingdom Hearts into disparate universes, etc. Given that we have that motif in play, do you think there is a valid reading of Kingdom Hearts as a franchise that posits that there really can't be a peaceful world and that Sora and Friends quest for that will inevitably lead toward another cycle of destruction? Or, taking this in a slightly different direction, what do you think the meaning between this conflict equals creation theme is saying? Is it saying anything? Or, forgive me for being extremely on my shit, but is this accidentally an effect of the fundamental conflict between Disney and Square Enix? Is, uh, in that Square has limited ability to influence the works of Disney that they draw on uh, that they draw on other than through using Disney characters as combat mechanics. In other words, the limited ability for Square to use Disney characters for much other than perfunctory combat me- mechanics begat the complex mythology of Kingdom Hearts as a series. You're pointing at me. Uh, did you write a thing? What are you pointing at? Yeah, yeah. I we already said dialects. I can't now do the dialectics bit. Oh, I, I was gonna have you. you do it, and then you were gonna yell it, and then I was gonna stand up on this chair <laughs> and, and then start yelling. Dialectics, it. dialectics, dialectics, yeah. dialectics. So just imagine that that imagine happened. that happened. It's late. It's so late. <laughs> we're recording this. We should say I, it's like eight thirty p.m. on a Thursday. Yeah. We're late at the office because we. The love children you. are in the back seat of the car shouting dialectics. Dialectics. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
I, the thing is, like, my Warm actual answer coffee. to this, yeah, <laughs> my actual answer to this is more depressing, which is like, I think what it's saying is we got to make another game, um, yep. which mm-hmm. is the opposite. It's in fact, for me, it is not an effect uh, of the fundamental conflict between Disney and Square Enix. It is an effect of the fundamental like uh, collaboration between the two. Disney said, hey, can you make money forever? And they were like, absolutely. Absolutely. We can make you money forever let's keep making these games conflict yeah. is going to be the core of them indefinitely as much yeah. as i would love an animal crossing set in the world not that animal crossing has no conflict but you understand what i'm saying um but more importantly for me the thing that jumps out here is this notion of the dialectic this notion of core kingdom hearts are these big picture and this is also we could talk about structuralism here like there are, we don't have the time but in kingdom hearts as in, as some say in, in our world and in, in the historical world and in, in the worlds of discourse in many different worlds, well, what happens is there is an idea. There is something, there is kingdom hearts. There is the light. And that thing is negated. The darkness emerges. Something responds to it. And it says, I am not the light. Are I you am describing twitter.com twitter.com <laughs> slash <laughs> the light. I don't know who's there. Don't go there. <laughs> Um, and, and that the, the darkness is a negation of the light. And then, and this is where if King Hearts is really dialectical, something, a third thing would emerge. A synthesis would happen. Thesis, mm-hmm. antithesis, synthesis, the negation of the negation, a sort of not emerging. This isn't a, just a loose, this isn't, you're not just stapling these two things together. A third new thing does would emerge. Manifest, it would yeah. manifest. And I guess the history of Kingdom Hearts is like the events of the plot are the synthesis. Um, but Kingdom Hearts doesn't give us like, and that's the gray heart or like that's what, <laughs> as cleanly as that. But what it does give us is friendship. And what it does say is like, oh, the characters, maybe it is the characters lives are the, the synthesis of the, the various uh, dialectical conflicts at the heart of the, of the series. I don't know. I don't know if dialectics is, is, uh, is sufficient. <gasps> right. I see you're the only one that didn't start yelling dialectics here. <laughs> Smart. Can, can you defend yourself? Um, I no, I don't think I can defend myself. I don't think. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I don't sorry, know. sorry, sorry. Here, okay, I found out where I t- mm-hmm. why I typed it. This is what Xehanort believes. Xehanort literally believes that to con- to mm-hmm. to yeah. s- open the door, what you do is you put in conflict. A thesis and antithesis, and like the entire yeah. plot of Kingdom Hearts one and Kingdom Hearts two is and three is does three also do it is trying yeah. to get to the conflict that will open the door, and in some ways actually not Marxist uh, dialectic, very Hegelian dialectic, very yeah. much the opening of the big door in the sky, the arrival of, of the capital S spirit, the the yeah. we mm-hmm. will we will have the world as it was meant to be. Yeah, it's like some Noah's Ark shit. Right. It is. It's it's 100% like warmed over kingdom of heaven kind of stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, but uh, he's wrong. Which which is which is fine, right? And and lots of people who are a lot smarter than me have pointed out the resonances between Christian theology and and Marxist dialectics. Right. Uh, that's a that's well-worn a, topic yeah. that you can go and give a Google. But I mean, this is why I think that things like process philosophy, which is we were talking about Alfred North, North Whitehead or um, Deleuze and Guattari. Uh, you've Austin, you've used the word uh, body uh, a lot of times. I'm really surprised sure you haven't have. said the word becoming I, even one time. I know I have. Um, <laughs> no, I said being, but I did not say becoming. You're right. 
Um, but but people like that who are looking at things that are not the kind of thesis antithesis or like the big idea and its negation and the negation of that that kind of moves the treadmill of history forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but this big giant glob of agglomeration um, that sometimes absorbs other things and sometimes is split apart. Um, and sometimes becomes a giant vertically integrated intellectually intellectual property management system right. that uh, <laughs> operates for nearly two decades, and sometimes is productive um, for big communities to kind of uh, form around and talk about and split apart and then do new things with. I mean, I think if there is uh, one thing that I really am hoping for in the, in the universe beyond Kingdom Hearts 3, it's that people that who listen to podcasts like lore reasons or people who are invested like Michael is in the lore of Kingdom Hearts, but perhaps not the gameplay of Kingdom Hearts, will go and make things that are like this, but not owned by Square Enix right. and Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, I have... I, I don't know, and I don't know if that's a dialectical push for me. I don't know if that is creating a third thing. I think it might be creating thousands of a, a swarm of things um, mm-hmm. that do all kinds of different stuff in relationship to the two Kingdom Hearts or the other things themselves. So that's all to say that I, yeah, I don't know if what is being delivered um, in Dante's initial question. Right? I don't know if if there is some magical thing that gets delivered out of Disney and Square Enix so much as that it allows people to ask new types of questions about the media they enjoy, which right. is good. I think. I think that is the. And note. I would just say shout no, out. Go ahead to Mark. I was going to say shout out. Like I think uh, <laughs> the the review that uh, Julie yes. Muncy wrote for Waypoint is mm-hmm. a really great example of this because she is highlighting exactly these questions. The way that um, Kingdom Hearts three gestures at uh, like basically how weird and bizarre a world could be if we could all like if we all had the right to just like shove our hands into the Disney vault and pull out what we wanted and start smashing things together. Yeah. Um, you know, like this sort of like there's there's so much potential here. Uh, but at the same time, Kingdom Hearts is constrained by itself. <laughs> totally. All right. I think that's going to be it. Where can people find y'all on the Internet? Y'all to Michael and Cameron. Yeah. Mm hmm. Where, where can people uh, you can find, find me, can. Michael, on Twitter, where I scream a lot uh, <laughs> at Warren is dead. Love it. Uh, you, you can find me uh, every Friday on Waypoint. You could do that okay. uh, at, at what, com. You got uh, it. I got a column that's been going there for a couple years now. There's Woo-hoo. a lot there you can go back and read. Yeah. Woo. Including Kingdom um, Hearts. It's a lot of Kingdom Hearts in there. Not yeah. a lot, but yeah, a some. Yeah. some. Yeah, I've written several times. It's you know what? I think they might be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that. I, I I'm, agree. Coming, I'm coming around. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at C Kunzelman. You can find both Michael and I in our monthly podcast that we were talking about, Game Study Study Buddies. Um, What's the you next book you're reading for that? Uh, Alexander Galloway's book, kind Hell of a yeah. classic of, nice. of contemporary game studies, gaming colon essays in algorithmic culture. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> think that was on my book list probably yeah natalie mm-hmm. where can people find you <laughs> at natalie watson on twitter Cotto, crying crying about kingdom hearts <laughs> yeah at a underscore Cotto underscore appears and follow me at austin underscore walker you can follow everything we do waypoint.zone that's true waypoint.vice.com twitter.com <laughs> waypoint that's the one there's a little cat in the background which i love we should keep that cat here i thought that was a child yeah. 
It's it's Bruno. He's back. Mm-hmm. He's cats, making his next guest appearance. Cats and and child childs are the same. Oh yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to Bowen for letting us. That's my take. That's my hot take. Uh, shout outs to Bowen for letting us use the track. Miss you off the EP panel machine. Find out more about that way. Oh. zone slash boen. And shout out to Chris Hunt who made the uh, game study study buddies theme. There you go. Thank you so much. Yeah. If you have thoughts on this episode of Lore Reasons, please head on over to our forums, uh, discourse zone. There you go. And chat with us. So, we have a PAX panel coming up also. PAX oh, East, yeah. where we're going to do our mastery exams. Our, our mark, our of, mark mastery of mastery exams. exams. <laughs> uh, so send in questions. Yes. We're, we're going to, we should probably make like an official form or something. We should make, I think in the post, so discourse.zone, you'll find the post for this. Yeah. Leave them there. We will not look at them. Otherwise we cheat. Yeah. We'll see the answers. <laughs> um, or DM them to Kato. Yeah. DM them to Kato. Or the Waypoint account. Yeah, on Twitter. On, on Twitter. or the way Yeah, well, don't send it to Kato's personal address. Send yeah, I mean to, that's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't care. Mail them to uh, <laughs> Don't mail. And, <laughs> and close a self-addressed stamped on <laughs> Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll tell you how to do it. We'll tweet it how you should send them to us. Uh, finally, I just want to read from Zay Nord's report too, in which I think Wait, he, we have to do the thing where we're going uh, like we this. have to do the thing, but it's okay. We'll just do it. But you can also read that and then we'll no, do the no, thing. No, no, no. We're going to do it the way we do it. Okay. Tell me when. Stop. All right, Zaymar's report 11. <laughs> Which one are you going to do? Two, but this is fine. Is it good? No. Okay, go to two. Go to two. <laughs> We're just cheating. Just We're go just to allowed. two. It's fine. I'm allowing you. Thank you. I think this is Zaymar at his most Kierkegaardian, uh, who's someone we didn't get to today. Our master instructed us to don armor while traveling between worlds so that we might shield ourselves from the darkness. But there, in the lanes between, I could feel the force of it, the power. And from then on, I forwent my armor's protection. I had been told the darkness would devour me, but what terrors could it possibly hold so long as I found the strength to control it? The world is vast, and the worlds within the greater world uncountable. Like little islands, they dot a great ocean between, which keeps them ignorant of each other, uncorrupted. Each world had its own order. Unlike us, they could not know of the world in its entirety. And we were never to enlighten them. Fuck. He's got this shit. That's why Tora's a furry. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's That's not why Sora is a furry. Yes. Yeah. bloomers tend to have more curiosity they tend to have more resilience their stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men what if everything we've been taught is just all wrong what's worth more than this fear right now and that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being listen to deeply personal insightful and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers listen and subscribe to the unmistakable creative wherever you get your podcasts also sort of wants in a heart in his heart yeah obviously okay
So wait, hold on. Am I the one who's like interrupting this first? Or you should like, both just it? come in with raw. I know like, both of you are so loud. We're punchy. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, we're uh, just so, I know such rambunctious. So aggressive. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. come in with all of that rambunctious energy that you all of it that you can muster. And we'll, that, that game study study buddies is known for. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And what you're doing is introing each other, which is an okay. important bit to remember. So, Michael, you introduce me first. Yes. And then I'll introduce you. So then, yeah, Michael probably should come in. I mean, like, camera could be in the back just, like, making noise. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah! Yeah. Perfect. 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 <laughs> Ideal. Um, let us uh, know when you I, I learned all my lessons from the Rough Rider crew. That's all. Perfect. <laughs> you know what? Good. What would DMX okay. say? Or is it DM Key? <laughs> it is DM Key. DM Key would say about uh, Kingdom Hearts. Oh, I have a good uh, quote from Time.is. For when we do this. Alright, good. You should you should start playing that music. After I say I'm sad. After you say, yeah. Okay. This is what we, this is what we do for our art. <laughs> what, yeah, but, everything but, what, before everything is, before the bass is just a loop, so it doesn't matter. Perfect. Where you want to start. Good. Right. Like how long do you want of questioning? Just uh, ten minutes, ten seconds or ten the, seconds of questioning. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 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 But you don't start the questioning until, until Natalie is sad. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Gotcha. <laughs> <Don't start. laughs> <laughs> All right, we should do a time dot is clap. Yeah. Wait, I want to read the All quote. Right, first. What's the time dot is clap or quote of the day? You cut me out in little stars and place me in the sky. I lose my sense of time. Wow. From Kate Havnevik. Sora? Is that Sora? Is that who is that? <laughs> That's, um, That's Kingdom Hearts. That's how worlds are born. Oh, and then That's... remember how the worlds are stars in the sky. I do. And then they die. This is the composer from Grey's Anatomy, The O.C., and The West Wing. Hmm. Excellent. Actually, okay. her music was just used in those. She was not the composer. Oh, okay. Well, The O.C. <laughs> has some of the best soundtrack of any show to date. So True. All right. 30 seconds. Are you all on time.is? I'm yes. on time.is. All right. Do you okay. want to clap at 30 Plus, seconds? Yeah. I'll let you clap. Thank you. Good. I forgot. <laughs> Okay, let's try again. <laughs> Off to a great start. Uh, 45 seconds. 45. 45. Good clap. Nice, that, that good sounded clap. good. That sounded so much better than the claps we get from other people on this podcast. That is true. They just Whoa. did. They just did. I don't, listen, the truth is the truth. All right, wait, we should also describe our beers. Should we? Uh, I got, <laughs> yeah, because my beer is called Vape Tricks, I and I some- have to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I've got something cold. That's all. Something cold. Edmunds right. o- wow. Oast Brewing Company. All right, not yet. On the podcast, we should describe it. Oh. We always say, like, what our thing is, what are we drinking. Okay. Do we? I do, but every we, time. We did once. We did once. I did it one time, and we I should, would like okay. to do it again, because I bought a beer specifically called Vape Tricks. All right, ready? 